So here's what Archie did on this episode. Archie and his boyfriend Mon- Monroe. <laughs> Stop there. I'm in. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. Stop I'm there. Here. I love it. Hello and welcome to our Riverdale podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 24-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like brooding anti-heroes with feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the Hundred Script on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey, pretty much everywhere. And uh, the fun fact for this episode is your best Halloween costume, obviously. My, see, I don't know about, like, what exactly is, like, the quantifier of best? I think that, like, depends, really. Got you the most quote on Twitter. That's what I was kind of going to bring up. Yeah. So today is Halloween, the day that we are recording this, which is so relevant to this episode. Oh, my gosh. And um, actually, three years ago today... Happy anniversary. Thank you. Mm-hmm. October 31st, 2019, but three years ago, so 2016, was the day that Lin-Manuel Miranda quote tweeted a picture of me as an 11-year-old. And what were you dressed as? I was dressed as a tornado. Thank you. He had been tweeting all day about how his nephew wanted to be a piece of popcorn for Halloween and everybody <laughs> else wanted to be something normal and he said, hashtag be the popcorn. So everyone was sending him things. And I said, well, my sister was Jasmine, like from Aladdin, and I decided I wanted to be a tornado. And he quote tweeted me and said, hashtag be the tornado. And uh, it was a big day for me. So although some of my uh, costumes have been more accurate to, you know, the character that I'm being or um, and, and such, mm-hmm. uh, I do believe that my best costume due to Lin-Manuel Miranda quote tweeting it is my uh, tornado costume and I thank my Auntie Charlene for that so much. Thank you. Auntie Shout Charlene. out to Auntie Charlene. Thank you, Lynn. She's a real one. Real reprieve from the 2016 hell that we were in. We're definitely going to be golf clapping everybody's, just to be clear. <laughs> cool. Time for me. I'm trying to, sorry, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase what my costume is because it's like not as exciting as hashtag be the tornado, but whatever. <laughs> My name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 30-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And as a child, I refused to be anything but a witch. So, like, <laughs> every friggin' year, I was a witch with the same costume that is still in our basement. And then I upgraded my witch status one year at Disney World by being Winifred Sanderson from Hocus Pocus. But I was still a witch. <laughs> Like, you weren't ever, like, different kinds no. of witches? No. It was just, I, like, spooky. I only ever wanted to be a witch. This makes me... I don't understand this. <laughs> so happy. Like, some some years I would do my hair a little differently and be like, mm-hmm. I'm Hermione Granger. But they all had to be witches. Okay. But my sister actually can top that one because every year my mom made her dress up as a pumpkin. <laughs> Not because, oh, not because no. like, she didn't want to make her a new costume, but just because my mom thought it was funny that Lindsay was a pumpkin every freaking year. I think it's funny that you guys are so opposite, that like you had the option to be other things, but you wanted to be the same thing, and Lindsay just didn't <laughs> have the option. <laughs> so yeah. You guys were always just the same thing every single year, but for completely different reasons. Yes, yeah, like eventually like Lindsay got to do like way better costumes and stuff, but um, yeah, that, that pumpkin, when I think about Halloween, I'm a witch and Lindsay's pumpkin. Mm. <laughs> and we also have another human here. Hello. I live here now. She sure does. 
Who, who, sorry, who are you? Who are you? Hi, my name is Samantha Coley and I'm a 26, no, I'm not. Every she time. had oh. a birthday. She oh, had you're a old birthday. now. And the birthday was literally last time we recorded this. I'm 27. Ooh, you've been 27 for a week. I forgot. I'm 27. <laughs> my name is Samantha Coley and I'm a 27 year old marketing coordinator in, Sun well, this is oh, wrong now boy. too. Everything's different now. <laughs> I am a 27-year-old marketing coordinator who works remotely from Vancouver, BC. Woo! Uh, I am a senior writer and the social media specialist at Telltale TV, where I um, cover Riverdale currently. Yay! Um, I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at SamKCC, where you can find me talk yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. You ever notice you can never get through your bio? Yes. Um... It's a chronic, terrible curse that I live with because I am bad at this. Oh, God, you're so strong. Thank you so much. It's it's my struggle. Yeah. And it's really hard. You don't and have a hard life. Thank you. Yeah. Um, my best Halloween costume cannot follow either of these very well. Um, but I was Pippi Longstocking one year, and my mom made me uh, yarn hair with pipe cleaners so that my pigtails stuck straight out. Good. Um, and I had mismatched tights and socks and this crazy outfit and a cool bag and I looked amazing. I love that for you. I would like to see pictures. I will try to find them. This year your Halloween costume is um my fiance. Oh that's not a costume. Is there a reason that something I said sounded like Siri? <laughs> you weren't invited. <coughs> um what's your bio Siri? Right. Go ahead. I actually expected her to answer and I was prepared to scream. And I Fully plan to be Deanna Troy next Halloween. Thank you. Oh, hell yeah. Um, I would like to say before we get started, um, it's Halloween, and because we live in Vancouver, that's an occasion for fireworks, because any time... Literally occasion any occasion. Well, I mean, Robin almost died the other day. Yes, um, I will tell this story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> see, first of all, here's the thing. There are people who who listen to our podcast for Riverdale, but, but, but I truly believe that there are also people... Slash most people who listen to this podcast also listen to it for my life anecdotes. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> and my life anecdotes if, only. If you need to tell yourself that, yeah. for sure. So we live on English Bay in Vancouver, Big Flex. And so literally any time is a time for fireworks. I don't even remember what the holiday was. I think it was just like but near Halloween. It, it was, was like Halloween. A Tuesday. <laughs> And, and it was like, like, I don't know. It's like, they usually do the fireworks at like 10 p.m. So like, that's fine or whatever. But they woke me up at 5 a.m. Right, right. With fireworks. And like, I woke up like to a start and everything outside was like white. Like it was lit up. And so I genuinely thought that the rapture had occurred. And, I, and like, everybody was being like lifted from their beds. Or like North Korea finally got us. Or something. Yeah. So that was terrifying. But so I guess what we're trying to say is there are some fireworks going on outside. But so if you hear them, um, we don't have a solution for you. I'm so sorry. Yeah, this isn't like the best timing for us to record, but it is our only time to record. So that's just uh, how it's going to be. And yeah. that's sometimes how it's got to be when you're doing a podcast that has uh, very serious deadlines. Yeah. Embrace, just, just embrace the ambiance mm -hmm. of Vancouver on Halloween. You know what Sam is doing because she just moved here. And as you guys can tell, uh, because the last two episodes we were apart, we're all together again, which is so much Yay. nicer. Because I genuinely feel like our energy and our like banter truly suffers now that we 
that we have, oh, it does. have yeah. done it this way so many times. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I'm glad to be here with you for this episode. Being together for this episode in particular was a treat. A treat. It truly felt like it was fate it was, for like this to be the first episode that we all got to watch together. As yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was definitely a treat and not a trick. And what we would like to say. Get out. <laughs> we would like to say is that we would like to potentially officially announce Sam as like a pretty permanent member of this podcast. Yeah. This one in particular. Yes. Um, so congratulations. Thank you. Or Uh, welcome. Am I an official aficionado now or am I still honorary? You're an affianzonado. Oh God. We we could (laughs) have done better. Affianzonado? No. Brittany's just a, trying to flex. I was gonna say something like an official nado. <laughs> oh yeah, because that's better than what I said. Oh <laughs> uh, well, more of the uh, syllables matched. Anyway, well, so damn, I'm I guess you got me there, huh? I guess. Anyway, I'm here now. <laughs> um, would you like to remind? Like, I mean, you were on last episode, but if you want to like remind our listeners what's like, I don't know. I know this is really hard to like glean from you as a person, but like, who are some of your favorite characters? <laughs> What were some of your favorite episodes? Like, tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit more about, Mm -hmm. like, you and your relationship to to this show. I love when Robin puts me on the spot and I don't have time to prepare her questions. It's literally her worst nightmare. (laughs) Um, Obviously, my favorite character is Alice Cooper. I mean, like, what? anyone had any idea. You know all the answers already. You just have to pick them out of your brain. (laughs) Say what she's being interviewed about herself. I have a question. Are we supposed to keep calling her Alice Cooper? Are we calling her Alice Smith now? Because, like... I've been True. making Tumblr gifts and I've been just like tagging them as both because I don't know what I'm right. doing. You I know, mean, that's a tough. I just like Alice Jones. Mm. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Uh, but I'm never gonna change my tag for Veronica, just to be clear. Right. That's because she's eventually gonna become a lodge again. Mm-hmm. Sorry, continue. But also, I respect her uh, changing her name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my favorite character is Alice. Um, I love Alice and FP together because I have an addiction to ships that... I mean, it's in your bio, babe. It's literally in my bio. Yeah, I'm really loving Betty's storyline this season, which I've found... I've gone hot and cold on Betty throughout the series. Sometimes I'm like, and then sometimes I'm like, eh, kombucha girl me. <laughs> no, you're um, relatable. Well, well... <laughs> um, but I'm really, really loving her story this season. And yeah, that's basically... that's. That's my my main goal on Riverdale is to blow up and act like I don't know nobody. But <laughs> my main goal is to blow up and then act like I don't know nobody. <laughs> but my um my main interest is the Cooper Jones household at all times. Same. Yeah. yeah. I think that's true for most of us, other than uh, Robin, who has a side plot interest of <laughs> Marchie. SPF and. No, well, oh, yeah, Marchie, you got two side plots now. <laughs> you know what that is? Growth. Growth. <laughs> um, How many memes um, can we fit into also one like, long ass <laughs> intro? With the addition of Charles as well, I'm just like, just, bear, bear, just bury me, me in that Cooper Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then, like, favorite episodes, um, the Midnight Club is the single greatest episode of Riverdale. We were so lucky to have you on the podcast for that episode. (laughs) Thank you, So, like, I'm glad that we had that. So, if you guys are, like, wanting to hear all of our Midnight Club thoughts and maybe you forgot or want to have a refresher, (laughs) that's your moment. It's up. You can go watch it. (laughs) I mean, listen to it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, oops. Yeah. Uh, that was the best episode. This one's pretty up there in yeah. my, like, top episodes. 
Um, also really love 208 and 219 because I have a problem. 208 changed my life. I, Literally, it yeah. actually did change Robin's entire life. There was a flip in mm-hmm. 208 House of the Devil. She went from a Jughead stand to an FP stand. She went from a teenage stand to, oh, I'm here for the adults. I feel like I was already here for the adults, but that was when it was just like, oh. It was official. Yeah, it was like, like, I love a ship. Like, one of the great things about parents like parent ships or like adult ships, mm-hmm. y'all y'all already agree. Just we be yeah, I, I, I like I don't even know what she has to say. I know what you're like, saying. I'm like yes, yes. I yes. might I might have already even actually. I think I mentioned this on the Stranger Things podcast, so this might actually be new to this podcast. But like one of the great things about like older ships is that like you can have history mm-hmm. <laughs> backstory. So that's super fun because like. If we bring it back to Stranger Things, like I, like I was saying, mm-hmm. we have mm-hmm. Jopper in which, like, they were friends in high school and maybe they were, like, kind of a thing in high school, but mm-hmm. then they grew apart and maybe they're going back together. Does that sound, I don't know, familiar to you? It does mm-hmm. sound familiar. I don't know. Like, when these teen teen things happen, like, a lot of the storyline to do with the teens are, like, they're, like, meeting for the first time. So, like, we mm-hmm. had Betty and Archie and Jughead who all knew each other. For some reason, Betty and Jughead never hung out and decided that they liked each other at any point before. Before the pilot, but kissing? sure, whatever. Being a teenager but, is weird, though. I know. But, like, okay, so then Veronica comes in, and, like, that's the catalyst, right? But, like, with the parents, mm. especially with oh. Midnight Club, you have, like, all of the history and all of the background, and it's, like, there's so much that you can just, like, guess at. Because you see the beginning of the story with the teens when they meet for the first time, which is a lot of teen shows. Like, um, going back to Stranger Things, like, Eleven coming in, that's the mm-hmm. catalyst, Yeah. Know? Yep, we're seeing Nancy and Steve, and they they meet, and we don't like they've only been like dating or talking for like a very small amount of time. But like, right. there's so much that could have happened in the years upon years upon years that these people have known each other. Mm-hmm. So it's like the possibilities are endless. Yep, and that's why it's so much fun. I mean, it's literally it's young love versus established relationships, mm-hmm. right? And I've always found established relationships more interesting, both in like fictional, but also in like my own personal life, like. If, and that's always been, like, my philosophy with, like, dating is you should be friends with someone first, mm-hmm. you know? So that's that's the appeal of the adultions, and that's why, like, FP and Alice, like, the more that they exposed, like, the layers of that backstory to see how mm-hmm. intertwined mm-hmm. they were, the more I was like, I'm on board, give me more of this. So, like, yeah, especially with, like, I know this literally has nothing to do with the actual <laughs> episode. Like, we literally haven't even said today we have words to say yet. But, um... <laughs> Hi, welcome to our special edition where we just talk about how much we love the adult shit. If Fair you deal. don't... Yeah, if you don't know that's what we're about yet, then, like, I don't know why you're here. <laughs> right. But, the chilies. but, like, with Jopper, you know that they, like, didn't actually get together in high school. Despite everybody else kind of wanting that Yeah, they were hard to will they, won't they. But it was, like, it was, like, friends to will they, won't they, to strangers to acquaintances to friends to something more like that's kind of yeah. what it was yeah which is like interesting but like with the fp and alice now it's like it was like enemies to skip friends and just go to lovers to enemies again to strangers to enemies again <laughs> to friends to lovers to, to alice goes in a cult to lovers again like it's just like whoa <laughs> They're to roommates. Con- <laughs> They're roommates. <laughs> oh my god, they, they were, were roommates. And they were roommates. Oh my god, they were roommates. It's just like a constellation of of, rela- of like our it's, types of relationship. It's crazy. Yeah. It's delightfully complicated. But it's kind of like 
I mean, as realistic as Riverdale can be, it's realistic because, like... Humans are messy. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, welcome to the Parentdale Stan podcast. Yes. Otherwise known as... Today we have words to say about episode 404 of Riverdale, Halloween. So, Halloween is a 1978 American slasher film starring Donald Pleasance and Jamie Lee Curtis in her film debut. The plot tells about a mental patient who was committed to a sanitarium for murdering his teenage sister on Halloween night. Fifteen years later, he escapes and returns to his hometown where he stalks a female babysitter and her friends while under pursuit by his psychiatrist. So, at the end of last episode, I asked you guys if, like, you had anything to add about that um regarding like having seen the trailer mm-hmm. um because obviously you guys have seen it you guys have seen the reboot that happened i haven't seen any of this because uh it's just not my jam but after having seen the episode is there anything else you guys would want to add about it being like named after that specific i mean movie? most of the episode was a huge homage to halloween mm-hmm. yeah they did a lot of references to both the original halloween and the 2018 version mm-hmm. And they also referenced several other horror movies that I wrote down in my review at Telltale and will also repeat here. Mm-hmm. But Veronica's story in particular is literally just the shortened, condensed version of the 2018 Halloween film. Mm. She literally serves their knockoff Michael Myers and then lights him on fire to get away from him, which oh is God, essentially... They, they did do that! Yeah. I totally missed that part! Yeah. Oh. I was I was writing my review section on Veronica and I was like, wait a second. The only thing that happened with Veronica is that she, she did this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah. And then with Betty dressed as Laurie Strode, and then they also used title cards from the Halloween franchise, which was fantastic. Brittany and I literally <laughs> gasped when the first one came up, and everyone was like, are they okay? What? Like, no, wait, you don't understand. We were like, oh, <laughs> And, like, I like that because that isn't even the first time that they've done this on yeah. the show is, like, taken, like, the specific thing that they're doing. Like, for example, that one noir episode that they mm-hmm. did, like, it was that just was... filled with, like, tropes, but yeah. in, like, such a good way. When yeah. Riverdale experiments with, like, towing the line between knockoff and homage mm-hmm. is when it's at its best. Agree. Yeah. Like, for example, I remember the 207. Yeah, and 207 in, in particular, um, which was Tales from the Dark Side, or Tales yeah. of the Dark Side, mm-hmm. which is the one where they did, like, three separate um, storylines, and then they all, like, kind of intertwined, except they told them so separately. Cool. Mm-hmm. That one always sticks out to me. That's when I started to, like, Archie was kind of in that episode. In season, in season two? No, but, like, it was, like, an Archie where, I think it was an episode where I probably said something along the lines of, I didn't mind Archie in this episode. Mm. Yeah. And looking back, that was probably progress. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tudor Boot. Toot. Toot, for sure. It's definitely a toot. Yeah. Did you want to put it on it's, a cuff? It's, it's borderline toot. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's almost there. It's no Midnight Club, but it's close. And to remind everyone, because I don't think I have actually reminded anyone, everyone this season of what the scale is, mm. but from best to worst, it goes shoot, toot, newt, boot, scoot. Yeah. And oh, I don't think I've been here since scoot was added. Mm. Well... So we got it from Drag Race's fashion photo review yes, on World Wonder on YouTube. Naturally. And they had bless, but we were yeah. like, we don't like that because it doesn't rhyme. It doesn't go so we changed it to scoot, and that's like our contribution to... I don't think that was us. We've had this discussion before. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that was us. Maybe it was Aquaria. It might have been Aquaria. At any, at any rate, that's how we do it now. Understandable. Okay. Should we get started? Yes. So, um, remember last episode and the episode before that where I was like, they're doing a lot of storylines right now. They kind of need to, like, pare it down a little bit. There's five whole storylines. Remember when I said that? I, I do. remember that, yeah. So, uh, this episode there were six storylines, <laughs> so they are not taking my advice. I feel like they're juggling them 
pretty okay, though. I know. really are. Like, it's weird. I don't feel like I'm overly missing out on a lot of things. Eventually, like, that. I think that I'll probably start to sacrifice, like, emotional moments, and I'll be like, please stop. You know but what? for I, now. You know what I think it is? Mm. In the past, and on most shows, the A, B, and C plots tend to overlap mm-hmm. and, like, sort of involve the same sort of things, but, like, focus on different characters. And this... In this season of Riverdale, it sort of seems like each person's plot is really self-contained. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Betty and Jughead and Archie and Veronica have little moments of like, here, we're cuddling and having exposition to remind you that literally, we're in a relationship. Literally. But their stories are very siloed, mm-hmm. um, which I am like... Com- I'm confused by how it's working so well because yeah. normally that would not work, but it's working. Like I, I remember for now. Right. Yeah, like in the past, like in like last season, and especially I'm pretty sure it happened quite a lot in season two when they just there was too much in it, and I remember being like, "There's too much in this episode. Yeah. We need yeah. to like bring it down a little bit." But so far, it hasn't been a problem. Like it became really, really too much for me in season three when like mm. they were trying to do the gargoyle plotline and the the Arches prison plotline, yeah. And then oh. whatever happened towards the end because I got lost because the farm broke my head. The farm was bad. It, that it was, was a mistake of a plotline. Yeah, but now they're like they're really doing it really well, and I'm like, all right, I can deal with this for a minute. Okay, so what we're gonna start with is we're gonna start with Reggie. Okay. Reginald. I actually have quite a few thoughts on this storyline, so I'm excited to hear what your guys' thoughts are as well. Yeah. Okay. Okay, here we go. This is my summary. Reggie wants to prank Mr. Honey on Halloween night by throwing toilet paper all over his office. Kevin says he'll help because Mr. Honey gave him a dumb punishment. That night, Mr. Honey catches them in the act of vandalization, wherein they framed Jughead for some <laughs> reason. He splits the two up and starts on Kevin. He tells Kevin that he won't get into NYU's theater program with his musical track record. Kevin is impressionable and feels bad and sad. He totally snitches on Reggie and leaves unscathed by Mr. Honey. Reggie's turn to be harshly manipulated. Mr. Honey mentions that Reggie's father hurts him and that as the class clown, Reggie believes that everyone's laughing with him and they are all laughing at him. He forces Reggie to single-handedly clean his office. In the morning, they walk out together and someone has vandalized Reggie's car. It's implied that Mr. Honey did it himself. Sir, you're supposed to be the adult. Okay, first of all, since when is Reggie the class clown? Right. Also, like- He's the jock! Right. Also, this story is really messed up because Mr. Honey is a terrible person. Like, he's basically abusing his students psychologically. He's trunchable. And I'm not here for it. Like, he he already kind of crossed the line with um, Veronica and Cheryl in the first episode where Mm -hmm. he was introduced. And this is, like, even further. Like, yes, Reggie is a stupid kid, and yes, he was participating in vandalism, but he like served the punishment by cleaning, cleaning up and, he and did like, it. sacrificing his Halloween night to like learn his lesson. And he this man literally broke the windows of his car. Yeah, and like, he had just you shattered. It, yeah. It kind of could have been like a cool bonding moment for them where he was like, Yeah, I TP'd your car. We're even now. And it could have been like, ah, y'all are cool now. Yeah, you don't have smashed to, the window. Right. Like you don't you don't have to pay to get your car fixed just from toilet paper. Like you can just exactly. you can just clean right. that up and then throw it away and be like, ha ha ha, nudge nudge, lol. But like that's some serious damage. And like Reggie fixed his his office right like were the lamps knocked over sure but it didn't look like they were broken like he said you have to put it back exactly the way it was and he did what really got to me actually in the storyline was and all of this information that he's like spouting to kevin and spouting to 
Reggie mm-hmm. makes sense to us because we already know this information. But right. how does he But know? how does he know about that? Yeah. Right. That sort of makes me wonder, like, because I said something in my review about I could see Mr. Honey becoming the season's, like, official big bad. Mm-hmm. I read that. And so I'm like, is he the one with the videotapes? Question mark? Mm. That seems too obvious right now. Yeah, I really like. I mean, when it's Riverdale. The villain is is ten, tends to be obvious. No, they pull it out of their asses at the final thing. Hence Penelope. Okay, but like we clocked that super early too, um, and we also clocked how super early. That's true, but that's because we just kind of throw darts at a wall. So let's yeah. just throw darts at a wall. I'm gonna throw a dart at Mr. Honey. Okay, do it. Right. <laughs> that's that's I yeah, I, <laughs> I, I do think that so far, and of course, they might be trying to break their pattern to make it more like, what are we gonna do? But like every season, unincluding, like not ex- excluding, <laughs> y'all know what I meant. Yeah, excluding season one, obviously because it was the first season. But like, every like the big bad of the season has been somebody that we already had. A parent. True. And a parent. That's true. It's been somebody that we already had. So, like, we had Hal and we had Penelope. So, like, it being a new person is kind of like, thanks for bringing in this new person. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the Sugar Man was somebody new. Uh, no, even in season one, it was someone it was we already knew because it was Clifford. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like, I just how, many, the first how many parents do they have left to villainize? Because if they ruin Mary, I'm probably going to lose my mind. It's not. Oh, no. no. It's, there's no way it's Mary. But, um, I have, I, anyway, I have some thoughts about this, but let's start at the beginning. I also saw, like, I also think it's, um, deeply abusive to bring up his abuse. Yeah. And then do nothing about it. Manipulation tactic? Oh, yeah. And then not even be like, how can we fix that for you? Like, I'm not here to help you. I'm here to mock you about getting beat. Yeah. Like, um, you shouldn't have a job. Sorry. Like, what are you, Hiram? Mm-hmm. So, uh, first of all, why frame Jughead? Like, that was, ve- it was a very, um, it was like a set deck thing where it said Jughead was here on the back of the wall and so it's like I think why? it was supposed to be like a little like in joke that we weren't supposed to read that deeply into. Yeah, I but guess it does I was just make like me wonder. If I was Jughead and like Mr. Honey was genuinely like Jughead was here. I mean I guess like he doesn't go to the school so like what can Mr. Honey do? But like still like so Jughead's like, gonna be in trouble. Since Jughead was like since Jughead tagged that at the the, uh, the drive in, in, do you think Jughead tagged that multiple places? Yeah maybe it's like a river from the meme. south side so seems Jughead, like he like seems it's like only practice repeat tag <laughs> yeah maybe you're like oh gee i wonder who did this one but right. she's like i can forge that no problem yeah so mr honey finds them and starts isolating them um kevin is super impressionable right now we know this because of the farm and mm-hmm. it's like a few episodes ago all that stuff so yeah like i said how does honey know this info it seems like he's getting some of it from the session with betty and charles mm. like He's even asking Miss Burble about him, and it. How did he know that Kevin in particular was going to be there? Like, is he asking Miss Burble about all of his, all of the students? Probably. Right. Or is he it like adores. just people are like based around the core four? You know what I mean? Like, right. it was weird that he like knew that specifically and knew exactly. Like, like was he planning on opening the door and being like, "I'm going to be ready for whoever's in there," or was it? Or did he know? I know? think maybe he yeah. came in like. Because Riverdale is a place that sort of has, like, its own reputation now, and because of, like, a set of maybe ten students, maybe he's, like, got his eye on them anyways, Mm -hmm. and he's, like, because he already started in on Cheryl and Veronica in the first episode he was in, um, so maybe he's sort of got a list of the, this group of kids, and he's, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna clean up Riverdale by, like, abusing children, because I guess (laughs) that's his thing. So fun. (laughs) 
in 402, me and Brittany were kind of discussing, we were like, maybe he's just like a guy who's like a principal and he's just like trying to help because this school is garbage and bad things keep happening here. Maybe he's just a principal who came in here and thinks everything is bad and he's trying to do better. Maybe that's what he is. I sure still kind of wonder if that's the case. But he, and he's just going about it the completely wrong way. Yeah, I think, and like, because it's this show... I do kind of wonder if the writers are aware of, like, how crappy he's coming off, mm-hmm. or did they really mean this to be, like, a learning experience right. for both of them? No. Like, I, I don't know what their in- intentions are. I think he's intentionally a bad guy. All right. Yeah, I I, I think that, too, because there, it's one thing to be like, hey, Sheriff Jones, um, there's a party going on, and I don't like it. You know, it's one thing to, like, just do that, mm-hmm. and it's another thing to, like, vandalize Reggie's car. Right. Oh, all right. You, you know, me. like, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. So, um, Kevin basically snitches on Reggie, and he says, that's all I needed to hear. You can leave now. Why is it about Reggie? And, like, what? Like, why did he target Reggie specifically when he literally caught them both red-handed? So, like, what's the point? Is Reggie psychologically vulnerable because of his abuse? Like, it feels like he's trying to, like, break a stallion. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. yeah. It's Ooh, just that's really, dark. Like, is he trying really to get, awful. like, a protege out of... Reggie, because it's weird. No. You might have tried to get a protege out of Kevin. Mm. May I connect this to Lost? I would be disappointed if you didn't, Robin. Okay, great. So I'm going to try and do this with as little spoilers as possible. And uh, this actually takes place in like some kind of like weird, I don't really know how to explain it. It's like this weird like kind of like alternate universe anyway. So I don't know if it's like super spoilery anyway, but <laughs> I don't really know how to explain it. But basically there's this episode, it's a really good episode in season six, and what happens in it is that there's a character, there's really only three characters that matter in in this story I'm trying to tell. Yeah, there's a teacher- in Lost? Yeah, just kidding. There's a a teacher, a principal, and a student. Yes. Okay? (gasps) I know what you're saying. You know know where I'm going? Yep. So basically what happens is the teacher doesn't like the principal, thinks the principal's doing a bad job, wants the principal's job. Okay? You're with me so far? I'm with Mm -hmm. you so far. Okay. But he doesn't really have a way to get the principal's job, and so he just kind of is going to continue to living living his life. The principal treats him badly, but what can he do? Yeah, exactly. Right? Right. And so he's not being able to, like, come to, like, this uh, history club that he runs, and so one of his students comes to his door at night and says we missed you at history club. Like I kind of need you. I'm trying to like, you know, pass my history test. And so the teacher says, okay, that's chill. Uh, how about you bring me coffee in the morning and we'll meet at like 6am in the library and we'll study. And she's like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Sounds good. So they go to study in the morning and the student talks about the principal in this like really weird way, like talking about how like gross he is. And the teacher is like, did he like do something to you? Like you can tell me so that we can like figure this out. Like, are you okay? And she's like, no, 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 I'm okay. I just like know he's been doing some like really gross, creepy things like on school property. Yeah. And so the teacher's like, this is my moment. Yep. <laughs> He's like, great. Okay. Um, I can, I can, I can finally do something about it. And so he goes to his friend and they figure it out and they're like, yeah, okay, we're going to blackmail him. And so he goes to the principal and he's like, hi, I'm here to blackmail you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you're going to resign and you're going to suggest that they hire me as the principal instead. And he's like, oh, the principal, that is. Yeah. The principal's like, I would love to do that. Uh, in fact, actually, let me just read you this email I got. And it's an email from the student that says, could you please write me a recommendation letter to this college that I want to go to because uh, the principal is an alumni of the college. 
And he's like, so either you can blackmail me and I can absolutely torpedo the student's chance of getting into I the school. About this. Or you can leave me alone and I'll write her a nice letter. And the teacher decides to do the right thing and let the and get the student like her letter. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's a really nice story. That's I thought it was so weird that like he's like, Kevin, you're never gonna get into NYU. And I kind of expected him to be like, you know, I went to NYU and I can help you get into NYU. But Kevin snitches on Reggie without even like yep. any type of because mm-hmm. Kevin just wants to be liked he doesn't ha- he's not even getting any reward for himself Kevin literally just wants to be liked he like he's afraid of authority now he has like no friends he just wanted to hang out with Reggie like there's so much going on in his brain that like I think the minute someone like shows him like a quid pro quo he's like yes I'll take that yeah and it's weird because it's like is he learning all of this information from Miss Burble? Like, is Kevin telling Miss Burble that he's feeling isolated or is he just talking to her about his college? I you think know? it's through observation. Yeah? Yeah. And, like, it, it's not hard to see that, like, Kevin's isolated. I mean, he was in a cult. I mean, he was sitting with all of them, like, in the student lounge or whatever. Yeah, but, like, psychologically, like... Yeah. He has to really been paying attention to Kevin, though. You know what I mean? Well, he also, like, admitted to having a vendetta against Honey because he gave Kevin detention for like no reason yeah basically maybe it's coming from rumordale maybe i I like how that's your that's your explanation for everything this season i really has to be like nothing else makes sense so they're like yeah it must be rumordale they only brought it up one episode i'm not i'm not letting it go i do not want to let rumordale go yet okay so rumordale to be tied into the videotapes yeah same exactly so um moving on to reggie it's like how does he know the stuff about marty and he's literally telling reggie his biggest fear which is that everybody thinks you're lame and everybody's laughing at you yeah yeah and i'm like i don't think anyone has ever thought that about reggie like reggie has friends right and like also that's a terrible way to treat your students yeah this guy is not good at um counseling children which uh checks notes is his job yeah (laughs) So why Reggie over Kevin? Like, why is he punishing Reggie over Kevin? It doesn't feel like Mm -hmm. Kevin, just because Kevin is impressionable, it doesn't feel like he's being, like, manipulated by Reggie. Like, he literally asked everybody, and Kevin's the one who said yes. Like, he would have done it without Kevin, but Honey's telling Kevin that Reggie is manipulating Reggie's the mastermind. Kevin was just the sheep. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. Like, I want to know more about Honey now. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to regret saying that later, but for now. <laughs> so uh, they go out after everything and um, Reggie's poor car, whose name is Bella, uh, is all messed up. Did Mr. Honey do it himself or did he have somebody do it for him? No, nah, I think he did it himself. He did it himself. I think that man is a lot of toxic rage. Horrifying petty. and vindictive. Yeah, petty AF. Mm-hmm. So it's even got these broken windows, which I think is a parallel to Reggie breaking Marty's car windows. <gasps> Oof. I never thought about that. Uh, oh, my next question was, is... Ooh, I forgot that I made this note. What? Is he in league with Marty? Oh, Like, how no. does he How does he know about Reggie's dad? Unless he knows Reggie's dad. And when I said, like, he's trying to break a stallion, is ooh. he in league with Marty to get Reggie in line? Get, oh. Yeah, ooh. I mean, I would like to know some motivation behind ooh. that, but I think that's a possibility. Yucky. <laughs> Yucky. Oh, that makes me feel of course. bad. Reggie, Reggie's dad is the big bad of the season. Oh. He's going to be the parent they nail stuff to. Heck. I'm throwing that theory out now. It's episode four and I'm ready. <laughs> at Melinda, where are you? So we are throwing darts at Honey and we are throwing darts at Marty. Marty. Yeah. Yeah, but that was going to hit like dead center right in the forehead. I love that for you. Cool. Do you remember when we thought that Keller was the Black Hood? <laughs> Man, 
I stand by the fact that that was Every strong possibility. It was only after the it was musical a red episode. herring. Yeah, but after the musical episode, we had facts. We, we had, had hard out. evidence. They. I still maintain that that shot of him walking backstage mm-hmm. could have gone either way. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it didn't happen because I love Tom Keller with my heart. Same. Cool. That's all I had for that storyline. Oh, all right. My, I would like to do horror movie references at the end of each storyline. Okay. If we can do that. Sure. Um, all I have for this one really is that Reggie's shirt at the beginning of the film is directly um, from Nightmare on Elm Street. Cool. Oh. Um, yeah. And like Freddy Krueger. Yeah. And they've all, and they've been living on Elm Street this whole time and they have been mentioning it. Like it has been a reference to Nightmare on Elm Street the entire show. Yes. Yeah. Which we just cool. kind of just like skated over it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know anything about that. So I never said anything about it. Really. I actually, that's one I haven't watched. Um, but I, I did recognize the mm. shirt. Yeah. That's a, that's a classic, but I also haven't watched. Mm. I'll get to it at some point. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's my only like direct reference for this storyline. Cool. Inch resting. Uh, now we are going to do Archie. Oh, I have that summary. Oh, man. Now we can make Sam do work now that she's an honorary <laughs> fictionado. So Sam did the summary for the Archie storyline. Archiekins. <clears throat> okay. So here's what Archie did on this episode. Archie and his boyfriend Monroe. <laughs> Stop there. I'm in. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, Stop I'm there. there. I love it. Archie and his boyfriend, Monroe, decided to throw a Halloween party at the community center to protect the neighborhood kids from Dodger, their new mortal enemy. Katie Keene somehow gets Veronica perfectly tailored costumes for Archie and Monroe in less than a day from New York City. Good for her. Archie is dressed as Pure Heart the Powerful and Monroe goes as the Shield. Archie has a hard time getting into it, but Monroe seems pretty jazzed about his costume. He's like, I get to wear tights. Right. (laughs) Uh, Later at the party, Archie is busy being everyone's dad and confiscating Eddie's sixth switchblade. Um, because this is his gym and he makes the rules. Then Dodger and Co. show up to try and start drama. They pick on Eddie, but Archie's boyfriend, Monroe, tells him to get Steppen because this is, gym is private property. Apparently the parking lot is fair game, though, so the gang loiters until it's time for the kids to go home because abusing teens is all the rage in Riverdale. Turns out Dodger has a gun in his underwear, so Archie calls his gun. <laughs> <laughs> good buddy fp the sheriff who doesn't answer his phone um fp shows up 30 seconds too late after dodger shoots eddie in the leg to teach archie a lesson archie uh goes to see eddie in the hospital and learns that he might have to start adopting the youth of riverdale if he really wants to keep them safe he and veronica have a solid morning cuddle and bond over defeat defeating bad guys archie decides to actually become a superhero hero he's gonna need a mask He's gonna need a mask. <laughs> um, I have to say, one of my favorite moments in this entire storyline was when um, Archie was like, hey, Dodger, you wanna go? And Dodger's like, I'm ready to go. And Monroe was like, oh, excuse me, please don't hurt my mans. Right. That and Archie's literally- My man. <laughs> like, it's literally, don't talk to me or my son ever again. Because Archie's in the background being like, yeah, yeah. Like, the whole time. And Monroe hey, was yeah. like, please Wait, leave. That's literally a Slytherin in a Hufflepuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Um, so that Katie Keene name drop. Oh. I was like, that was, that didn't feel organic at all. No. <laughs> it felt very staged. Also, the, the gal pal reference, I was like, oh my god. But <laughs> does that mean that y'all were girlfriends at some point? Mm. Just gals being pals. Just gals being pals. I gotta say, like, when I'm talking about somebody 
to some more people that don't know that person, I don't often say their full name, you know? Yeah, no. Oh, yeah. I, I was clocked for this um, by my yes, she was. best friends slash former roommates. They noticed that every time I talk about our friend Claire, I say, my friend Claire. Uh-huh. Um, I never say my friend Claire Willett. But I always say my friend Claire. Instead of just Claire. Instead of just Claire. They know who Claire Claire is. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, that was a fun anecdote for this weird reference. Well, like, it it also happens just by accident, too. Like, my sister lives with us now as well. And sometimes, like, when she's just, like, talking to me, she will say, yeah, my mom said, and I'm like, Kelly, she's also my mom. We share. Oh, mom. You can also, you can just say mom. Whereas <laughs> I do the opposite, and I've noticed this about myself, and it drives me nuts, but I never stop, is I'll say, oh, so mom said, mm-hmm. and I'm talking to, like, people, we don't all share the same mom, but to <laughs> me, my mom is everyone's mom. Mm-hmm. So when I say, oh, mom said, everyone just, like, goes along with it, but like, yeah. in my head, I'm like, <laughs> it ain't your mom. I'm gonna think about this in the shower <laughs> later and probably cry. <laughs> <laughs> But she also mentioned that she goes to, like, this theater high school. And I'm like, someone send Kevin there. Right. He deserves good things. Honestly, like, Kevin would probably do great on Katie Keene. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to lose one of our Riverdale gays. But let him be happy. Yeah. For the love of God. And maybe no more cults for a while. Yeah. Just for a while, Just until he gets his feet under him again, you know? Yeah. I have a feeling that uh, somebody who did some name dropping this episode is also going to be name dropped herself in the Katie Keene episodes. Probably. A lot. Yeah. Especially since apparently two of the main characters know her personally, you know? Exactly. Mm, Yeah. So, yeah. And and just for the record, that will still not get me to watch Katie Keene. No. Yeah. Uh... I think we've said this already, but we are not planning on covering Katie Keene. Um, I just don't yeah. have time. It, it's also, it's just not my brand of mm-hmm. teen drama. Give me a mystery. It doesn't seem like there's much of a mystery going on. It seems more Glee-ish. Like, there's no mystery. You know? There's no sci-fi. Yeah. There, I haven't seen, like, a hot parent ship. So, mm. you know, there's no pull for me at this point. Yeah. Yeah. If so. there's, like, hot parents, though, let us know. Right. So, uh, yeah. But um, I'll probably still like watch it just because I want to see like if there's any new universe things that we can bring into Mm. this so if that happens then I will probably come in with that but uh we're definitely not going to be like episode by episode covering it I think because did it so little in Sabrina that I'm just like oh well then what's the point yeah yeah you know like I I was really hoping that there would be more tie-ins between Sabrina and Riverdale and when there wasn't I was like okay whatever like yeah it seems like there's definitely going to be more in Katie Keene just because like the characters know each other and like it was really just like what Sabrina's water bottle that one time yeah (laughs) they're like thermos well someone did a a gif set of all the moments so there there are a few but you have to like really look for them and then it was just like ben and then we like talked about like why ben was there and that was really it you know and they like uh that's still a mystery to this day yeah because like he was supposed to be dead and then he died again and then like what's the timeline i don't know yeah we still don't know local tertiary character dies twice yeah so okay so i have some questions about the pure heart the powerful continuity that I have to look up, actually, because I forgot to do that. So Pure Heart the Powerful has been mentioned before, uh, just one time in the series. 
uh, in 201, Archie said something about, like, he had just saved Fred, and then I think Veronica had said something like, oh my gosh, you're such a superhero, and Jughead said, yeah, like, Pure Heart the Powerful, and we were kind of under the impression that he had, like, made up this superhero name, yeah. and that was weird, so now I'm like, okay, so does Pure Heart exist in this universe already, or did Jughead make that up? So I'm just going on to the 201 transcript to see exactly what the wording was there. Uh, so this actually can still make sense, I feel like. Um, sorry. I can't tell exactly who it was who said this, but I assume that it's Veronica. If you keep this up, you're going to need a superhero name. And then Jughead says, like Pure Heart the Powerful. Mm. So originally we thought, oh, he's saying like Pure Heart the Powerful, like that should be your superhero name. But I think what he was saying, I guess now retroactively was, this is a superhero that you're similar to. Yeah, like Pure Heart the Powerful. You know, that superhero that we all know lots about. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone remember that publication? <laughs> Archie's like, I don't remember when that happened because I was a little traumatized, but okay. When is he not traumatized? That poor boy. So I pulled some information about Pure Heart the Powerful from the Wikipedia page about like all of the different like alternate universes that are in Archie comics. Um, and I also knew that The Shield, which is Monroe's superhero's name, I like knew that it was going to be in the Red Circle comics. Like, could you just feel it? I could just tell, mm -hmm. you know? So I'm just going to read out the thing about Pure Heart the Powerful. Uh, born when Archie attempts to tap into the pH factor, a superpower only accessed by those pure of heart. Pure heart is super strong, super resilient, and can fly using his jet boosters. However, his powers only exist as long as his heart is pure, leading to embarrassing situations such as him losing his powers after an appreciative kiss from a damsel in distress, causing the car he was holding up to fall on him. Oof. It's embarrassing. It's like, what, your heart isn't pure when you get a kiss from a girl? Ooh. Ew. Pops That's a, icky. He pops a bean and he's like, I'm not pure anymore! <laughs> I am no longer pure! My heart is not pure! Um, and then, so I got some information on The Shield as well. The Shield is the name of several fictional patriotic superheroes created by MLJ, which is now known as Archie Comics, appearing months before Captain America. The Shield, oh! yeah. the Shield has the distinction of being one of the first superheroes with a costume based upon United States patriotic iconography. Interesting. And so they've had like multiple different uh, versions of the Shield, kind of like Spider-Man these days. Um, oh, I'm so sick so, of Spider-Man. Yeah. Sorry, hot take. <laughs> so it's mentioned that Veronica was supposed to like join them there at the party, which I think I missed the first time that we. Yeah, she that. said, go ahead, I'll get an Uber. Yeah, I missed... Riverdale getting that Uber money. I know, mm -hmm. right? I was crushingly disappointed that there wasn't some, like, Riverdale version of Uber that like, was named, I'll take like, a Goober. Goober. Give me that Goober. Goober. Exactly! <laughs> I was like, come on, y'all have Glamazon and American Excess, but you have regular Uber? You're yeah. killing me. So Eddie wants his knife back, knife back because he needs protection. What does he not have? A, A knife! <laughs> um, but Archie says that he's going to walk Eddie home. Wholesome because he's a nice boy. I don't, I feel like I did not have a lot of notes, especially for the beginning of this storyline, but um, I just inexplicably have <laughs> a note that says, May <laughs> Here we go. That says, <laughs> are you okay? She's not. Man, put your undies. Man, put your undies back in your pants. You're an idiot. First of all, he was clearly dressed up as Captain Underpants. <laughs> so, can you imagine getting walked home by a guy with underwear on the outside of his pants? You'd be oh like, yeah, God. thanks, I feel really safe. They were under his pants, they just, like, his pants just were not over his underwear. I think you problem. guys are talking about two different pairs of underpants. We are, but we're having fun with it. <laughs> 
sure when he goes like this and the gun's underpants are falling off. What part are you talking about? She's talking about Archie's underpants underpants costume. Yeah, that's his because he's a superhero. It's just funny. We're fully making the same joke, but about two different characters. I had no idea that we were talking about two different pairs of underpants until Sam said that. (laughs) Our minds. Our minds. Wow. Wow. Well, the press. So, anyway. So, what is FP busy doing? I don't have safer work thoughts about that. <laughs> okay. You know what? I'll take it. Because as soon as he finally gets back to Archie, he says, sorry, Red. Or whatever. I guess Monroe calls him that. But it also feels like, I'm pretty sure FP calls him that, too. Anyway, he goes, it's been a crazy night. You're like, Yeah. Right. He and Alice have so much to catch up on. Well, we know she's actually, she is definitely working because of, because she like kind of showed up in Veronica's storyline a little bit. let me live in my pretend world? I just want you. I I want it to be real for you. Right. But there's also a little bit of canon slipped in there that we need to address. Yeah, you got me. Um, I want to say though that Skeet Ulrich also made this same joke (gasps) at a panel. (laughs) Oh my God. I love being on the same wavelength as Skeet. A, a person comes up and asks, uh, what is one thing you would like to see your character do that they haven't done yet? Mm-hmm. And he literally just goes, Alice. Yeah. And they yeah, all lose it. It's great. Cool. He already did Alice. Yeah, but we haven't seen it. Oh, yeah. I would, I would like to see it. <laughs> I would like to see it. I would not like to see it. <laughs> but you can discuss the emotional implications afterward. Exactly. I guess. I don't need it to be, uh, yeah. I don't need it to be explicit, though. No. But just, like, let us see them kiss for the love of... Of God. Yo, we got so angst. curved. We got so curved yeah. this episode. Yeah. I felt cock-blocked. Like, we missed a pile of things we needed to see between the last but yeah. last time that they were together. And then they also cut away for comedy um, from the kiss. And I'm like, I'm being punked now. I want my rights. I want <laughs> my state parents' rights. Genuinely, like, I'm pretty sure, like, once we get down to the Betty storyline, like, I do my summary. And then, like, the, my first, like, five notes are just, like, questions about what happened in between the two episodes. Right? right. Genuinely. Um, so we'll dive into that in a little bit. Yes. Archie's always choosing random children to bond with. He needs a sibling. So, like... Like, Ricky stabbed you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You need to be careful. And he's like, that didn't really um, ruin children for him. So, like, good for you, Archie. Yeah. This is my problem, though, with Archie's storylines and why I find them so boring. <gasps> um, he always, like... His charity cases are always kids we don't know or mm-hmm. care about. Yeah. yeah. Like, make it about Jellybean if you're going to make it about a kid. Well, right. when they made it about Mad Dog's brother, I was like, or, sorry, um, Monroe's brother, I was like, hey, sweet. Did you mean Malcolm Moore? <laughs> <laughs> also, where the heck was he? Like, they just ignored him. Like, that was the right. opportunity for him to be Eddie. Right. Know? Like, it could have been Monroe's little brother. and also, Or literally any other character we've been introduced to. Could be, like, the person Archie is focusing his, like, I have to fix this energy on. Like, Reggie is being abused. That was so good. Like, I know we fixed it, but, like, no, we didn't. Obviously, it wasn't so good, but, like, that storyline for Archie, like, I love that. Right, like, he could have, like, kept caring about Reggie and, Mm -hmm. like, fixing that part of his life. But instead, Archie gets, like, these random-ass kids and just, like, picks them up and starts caring about them, and we're expected to care about them because Argy cares about them, but I don't care about them. <laughs> I mean, so, I do because I'm not a monster like uh, uh, But, like, my, my whole thing is I actually really love this storyline because Archie's caring about people that, like, society doesn't care about. Like, it's such a good storyline for him to be, like, a good Samaritan. So, yeah, you should feel bad. I just, I do feel like he's, this has happened before with him, though. Like, I'm so tired of Archie versus gang. 
Archie right. versus yeah, that's Archie T. Archie and Random Child versus Gang is basically right. like what it's been for the past three seasons. What you know? a weird show Riverdale is. Yeah, it's just like if you're gonna do it, make me care more. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not there yet. It's just it's kind of just like okay, I've seen this before. It feels like we're yeah. not even going to get Eddie back, and I thought that the kid who played Eddie was actually really good, so I'd welcome him back if he were to come back, but it felt, cool. like, it felt like, like you know, they come in for, like, one episode and then they leave, and it's like, what? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Varchi scenes are just exposition, and that's the tea. Thanks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like when a character's in, in, like, a stable enough relationship that we can use those scenes for, yeah. like, plot catch-up, um, and it isn't, I mean, I can't, honestly, we can't complain about this because we hate their relationship, so, like... <laughs> The fact that it's not not emphasized is kind of a good thing. I just ship both of them with different people. Not that Varchi is a bad ship. I just ship them both with different people. And that's just how it be. No, that's the whole thing. I don't think Varchi is a bad relationship. Mm -hmm. It's actually a great relationship. Yeah. I just don't care about it. Yeah. But if you ship it, God, I respect you. I just like the problem with like these scenes as as exposition. Like the only thing that we really got from like previous episodes was like Archie saying that he wanted to make his dad proud. And like every other thing happened this episode. I don't need exposition for what happened this episode. I'm watching this episode. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're like, how, like they answer all the wrong questions on the show, which always cracks me up. They're like, well, how does Veronica have this information? I mean, I would just assume they're a couple and they talk. Why don't you tell me more about how FB and Alice never re- reunited but are still living together? Right. I, I found that the bughead scene that is like was basically paralleling this one was doing a similar thing but like better because Jughead was like I wonder like why Moose left did he leave because this or did he leave because this did they want me out of the way because this or was it just a prank like I don't know and I'm like I mean these are all the questions I have except you just laid it out in front of me but it's more interesting it because works. it's not something that yeah. I already knew you know exactly. what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they are going to vow to clean up the streets I guess which, like, what else is new? Though? Again? Yeah. I mean, that's the same show twice. Mm-hmm. Like, but I feel like that's Archie and Veronica's story, like, yeah. the entire series. Literally. It's just sick, circular, and I'm like, okay. do a trick! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do a flip? Do a trick. <laughs> okay, I only had one um, note left in this storyline, but I don't know if you want to hear about it. I always oh, of course I want to hear about it. About it. I don't know. <laughs> you might, you might, uh, you I look might forward regret. to regretting this. Okay. Oh no. So Archie goes and like looks at his tights again. And Veronica says, as well as you fill them out. So I'm just wondering if she's talking about his legs or talking about she's something not. else. She's talking about his butt. Ah, oh, that's better. That's better. She's talking about his butt. That's better. It's, it's the butt. Okay. Veronica, I feel better. Veronica always like talks about Archie's like extremities in like a classy way. And yeah. I'm always like, wait, is she talking about weird things? And she always is. But I can hardly almost, I can almost never tell. It's it's if, the epitome of innuendo. If you yeah. fill something out, it's usually your butt. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Same, Archie. <laughs> I get it. Um, cool. My horror movie references yes. for this storyline. I didn't have horror movie <gasps> And that's embarrassing. And a poop. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, Brittany! I'm leaving! The bird that pooped on Sam and it pooped. <laughs> That's me. That's me. <laughs> oh my gosh, Brittany, I'm so happy. Like, I tell you, because I'm going to be like, oh, I got to go poop. And then after I come back, I'm going to be like, I got to poop. <laughs> it's going to be great. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm okay, Sam, did you, did you want to add something about the horror? 
Um, well, I thought I had horror movie references for every plotline, but apparently I didn't. So yeah, if you know if there were horror movie references in Archie's storyline, let us know. Seems like it was mostly just like like superhero stuff. Yeah, because Archie's was very like classic Archie. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like this would be in a typical Riverdale yeah. Riverdale episode. Yeah, without, it was Archie, but in tights without yeah. Halloween. So yeah. yeah, cool. Uh, hey Brittany. Hey Robin. <laughs> Could you tell me what Patreon is? Sure. Okay. Patreon is a service where you can donate monthly to your favorite creator. Tell me more. Well, for instance, if you go to patreon.com slash the aficionados, mm -hmm. there will be an option to donate and you can press like the dollar thing and you'll get bonuses for donating to those nice aficionados. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you want to hear about the bonuses? I would love to. So like you get early access to our episode. How long? I mean like at least a day, mm -hmm. which is like pretty good. Is it ever more? Sometimes. Okay. Not all the time, but sometimes. Mm -hmm. And also, if you sign up before November 16th, you will get a custom postcard because it is our third anniversary soon. That is so nice. Yeah. And hey, what if I'm not really interested in joining Patreon, but I want one of those postcards? Uh, you can, um, I actually don't know what to do with that situation. Actually, I have such great news. You can make a one-time donation of $5 or more. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I made that up just now. Cool. So if you okay, like, so, so that you led me into a trap. That's what happened, and then I looked stupid. Because you know. Um, but if you guys are interested in doing that, you guys can hit uh, us up on Twitter, any of us, and uh, and um, if you hit up either of them, they will uh, immediately send you to me because I'm the treasurer. <laughs> yeah, she's the um, the one who's good at math and responsible things. I'm the one who's good at. Ooh, uh, silent. <laughs> you are good at a lot of things. You're good at talking about. You design the, the postcards. You're good at I, designing the postcards. I do design the postcards. Thanks, guys. I needed gassing up today. Yeah. You're good at jokes. You're very funny. Probably just funny, but thank you. You're very pretty. Oh! <laughs> These are just the reasons you're marrying me. That doesn't count. That doesn't make me a good podcaster. No, they do. Okay. You can Sounds like it's my favorite podcast because you're on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but if you guys don't have Twitter, you can also uh, email us at aficionadospodcast at gmail.com. We would love, like, we want to send you a postcard. Yeah, we do. So um, we would love that. And uh, thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Veronica time. Cool. Who did Veronica? Not me. You did Veronica. <laughs> don't do <laughs> that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. That was misleading. Haha. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, here we go. On Halloween night, Veronica has closed up Pops early, which is weird because I thought it was 24 hours. Hmm. I don't know. Like, shouldn't she be at least giving out candy as an establishment? Hello? I don't know. I don't think we're going to get the answers to these questions. No. Anyway, some trucker guy comes in. <laughs> he says he's been driving all night and trying to get home to his family. Could he please get some food? Veronica obliges him. Later, he shows her a picture of his family. She says they're lovely. After he's finished eating, she offers him some pumpkin pie, which he accepts. As she's getting it, though, Alice comes up on the TV announcing that a patient from Shady Grove's treatment center has escaped and is a murderer posing as basically exactly this guy. <laughs> Veronica runs down to the speakeasy and the guy pursues her. She turns off the lights and he comes down, lighter lit. She throws alcohol in and leaves him downstairs, just like Burn burning. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. Is he dead? I don't know. Does no one in Riverdale carry a flashlight anymore? Like, no one has a phone with a flashlight on it? Um, I mean, I, I understand why this man, but, but, but like, if this man 
broke out of prison, I don't see how it's any easier for him to get a lighter than it is for him to get a phone with a flashlight. Well, he robbed that- he robbed? He robbed that guy. Well, here- okay, but I have a question. Sure. I don't think he was in prison. No, he was in Shady Grove. That he was, was a right. He was in the center. treatment center. Sorry, right? but, but like, he still wouldn't have a lighter when he broke out. Okay, so here's my question, and stay with me here. It might <laughs> sound a little weird at the beginning, but like, stay with me. Why is the serial killer at a treatment center? Like, there are serial killers that go to treatment centers, but he seems like he is of sound mind and knowledge that what he's doing is wrong. And usually that's the reason why you would go to a treatment center if you were a serial killer rather than going to a prison, as far mm. as I understand. So I'm just wondering why he's in the treatment center. Well, he must unless have managed. Unless it is. Unless it is semi a prison and Polly has gone there a la cult. Hold up. Hold up I feel up. like he could have pled insanity and wound up in the yeah. treatment center. So. Did they actually say that he was a murderer before? Or did they say that he killed someone and now he's on the run? He. They just said he is a serial killer. Oh, right. And he killed his wife and child, right? Right. Uh, did they say that? Did yes. They, okay. Then never mind. My, I, I think they were trying to do like a Michael Myers kind of parallel. 100% because they, they said his name, are. his name is Michael Matthews. Exactly. And so they just like use like, oh, what's a place that everyone knows that isn't like the Lodge Jail? Mm-hmm. Shady Grove. I'm just going to grab exactly what Alice said. Good this. to know what company that Polly's keeping though. Right? Yeet. But like, I, I mean, mean, makes sense that she um also is psychotic. I mean, we're not doctors. We can't diagnose them. All right. An extreme, yeah, basically. Yeah. An extremely dangerous patient escaped Shady Grove Treatment Center earlier today. A serial killer oh, nicknamed the family man, Michael Matthews, forced his many victims to cook him meals before brutally murdering them. He is of average height and medium build. After escaping from Shady Grove, he killed a trucker and stole his clothes and vehicle. So we, he didn't say anything about his family. But, like, the implication is there that he right. does kill families. I guess. Like, he's like, let's have dinner. Home-cooked meal. And I'm like, that's not Murder. a meal. This is a, re- ma'am, this is a Wendy's. Sir, this is a restaurant. <laughs> Sir, this is a Denny's. Yeah, it's like, and plus Veronica's like, I don't really do the kitchen. So he's like, so it wasn't even that good. Literally, I was thinking the entire time she was like, okay, come in. I'm like, does this imply that Veronica is also the cook? No. Right. Like, where's Pop? Right. If and anybody's gonna be here. Like, if anybody's gonna be here, it's Pop. Pop is taking his children trick-or-treating. And I mean, I under, like, I just want to, like, say, like, I understand, like, this was all for, you know, the yeah. style of the plot. Yes. Of course, it's Riverdale, and that's always the case. We're like, having they, fun, though. They sacrifice plot points for style, and I'll allow it, but, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, this was one of the things where we were just like, huh? Well, but all right. Yeah. Sure, Veronica's a, a, a chef. There's a lot of, like, suspending your disbelief here, just so we can, like, enjoy Veronica being... Laurie Strode without dressing up as Laurie Strode. Exactly. Yeah. Um, My first note about this storyline was give him a to-go box. Right. Ask him what he wants, give him a to-go box, and then send him on his merry way. Be like, enjoy your food in your truck and get get away from me. Okay. I have to go see my boyfriend. Literally, this storyline reminded me of the Bob's Burgers Christmas episode. Tell me. Where, do you remember they um, had Christmas (gasps) in the car Mm -hmm. and they went into a diner and like Linda insisted on having like the Dutch the Dutch baby and then they get into, like, this fight with a guy who's driving a candy cane parade float. Yes, I remember. Oh, this reminds you of that, where, like, he's, like, he's, like, I just miss my family. And she's, like, do you want a Dutch baby? And he's, like, yeah, this is great. You can barely taste the baby. Like, <laughs> the entire time I was just, like, this is just that Bob's Burgers episode. Yeah. So he's, like, oh, can I show you this picture of my family? Listen, Veronica is very polite. I appreciate that about her because yeah. if it was me, I'd be like, okay. And then I'd be like, ha ha ha, cool. Like, like <laughs> customer service voice is on point. She even like, like 
looks at it and then like comments on something that she sees in the picture Mm -hmm. like I would literally be like like I'm an actor but I'm not good at not being awkward if I feel awkward right so I'm just gonna be like haha cool you know you're like oh um that's neat please don't kill me yeah (laughs) like as someone who used to work at a place that was open until midnight Mm -hmm. this man makes me deeply uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because I've like known people who come in like right before you close and like stay there and make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where is Ronnie's survival And it's just like, girl, have a taser. Yeah. So we have Alice on the TV. Then we kind of talked about why he would be in the treatment center. But he's called the family man. His name is Michael Matthews. Lord. Um, He killed a trucker and stole his stuff. He makes people make him food, which we talked about. What a weirdo. I have to say, like, the moment where she, like, saw that on the TV and she, like, walked over and, like, they had that shot that was, like, yep. from below. And he just gave her the creepiest mm-hmm. smile I've ever seen in my entire. I was literally like, yep. I'm going to die of fright right now. Classic horror movie. Yeah, yeah, it was so scary. How, but like when she gets down there, how did she count on him having a lighter? I don't think she did. I think that's why she had a lighter. She was going to dump that thing on him no matter what. Did she have a lighter? I feel like yeah. Veronica would. I missed that though. Like I don't know if I, I can't remember seeing it, but that I think that was her intention though. Yeah, yeah. if he hadn't had one, she would have like dumped it, and then while he was like, "Whoa, what's right. light of me?" Then she would have thrown yes. it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So my last, like, this is a pretty short storyline for me at least. But my last note mm-hmm. on this was, so did he, did he die? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's toast. They literally, huh. <laughs> well, they literally like, like Archie literally was just like. Wow, you're a badass. And she's like, thanks. Like, they didn't, like, uh, but what happened to him? Like, well, Veronica, are you feeling any trauma at the fact that someone tried to murder you like again? You, you killed a man? Uh, I don't think he's dead. Okay. Just because in the Halloween films themselves, which is this storyline oh, is basically entirely made up of, um, it's always left very ambiguous as to whether Michael is dead at the end. Yeah. Um, he never is. And he's never dead. So I doubt we'll come back to this man on Riverdale because it was very likely just a one-off for this episode. Yes. But I doubt that he's dead also um, just because I feel like... It's too good to pass up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he's dead. Okay. But you don't think he's going to come back? Not really. Yeah. Um, Next Halloween. Like potentially they could like dig into this for some fun at some point. Mm-hmm. Fun. Yeah. For some murder drama. Um, but I don't think he'll come back, but I also don't think he's dead. I think Veronica probably, like, got upstairs and called the cops mm-hmm. and was like, help, this man is at my place. And I, FP was like, you know what? I just left a gang thing. I've got time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I As know the that, only cop in Riverdale. I know that his name was, like, specifically, like, Michael Matthews. Like, it's specifically mm-hmm. Michael Myers. But, like, we've heard stories like this so many times. Like, the Riverdale Reaper and, um... I was thinking about the Riverdale Reaper. Yeah, like, I mean, I know that one of them was, like, in House of the Devil. And he, like, ended up... And then we thought it was, like... Uh, and then it was Mr. Svensson's, like, family who was murdered or whatever. So that was too old. So it couldn't be him. But, like, then we mentioned the Riverdale Reaper in 207. And, like, I just feel like we've gotten all of these, like, creepy little, like, Riverdale monsters that, like just kind of like uh, pop it off into nowhere Mm -hmm. and I wish that that kind of had had like been brought in to this moment or something because we just now we've just got like another Riverdale monster that's just being like that's just like disintegrating you know what I mean but like how metal would like a book of like the monsters of Riverdale be like I want that to be Jughead's book but I know it's not (laughs) right yeah um that's all I had for that storyline yeah I don't have many thoughts it was classic cut and dry horror stuff yeah yeah I enjoyed it a lot yeah that was all I had for that one I I enjoyed it this time because I love Halloween and I love those movies and I love 
like just the theme. But I really, really just want Veronica to like have a story again. Yeah. Yeah, the it's, fact that she was on her own was remarkable. Right, but it's and like even still nothing moved forward for her. She was yeah. basically a prop for a reference. Mm-hmm. Ooh, you got me there. So I was just like, can she do something that like moves her life forward? Because yeah. I would like to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my only horror movie reference for Veronica is Halloween 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome. So we're going to move on to Cheryl then. Lit. Cheryl. I have the or, or as Sam says it, Cheryl. Cheryl. My mother's name is Cheryl, so. How my aunt's spell name it? is Cheryl. My mom spells it with an S, though. Oh. So S-H-E-R-Y-L? Yes. Like Cheryl. So Crow. it literally is Cheryl. Yeah. Okay, that explains a lot. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, I'm- my aunt is Cheryl like this. My grandma is Cheryl, but it's short for Shirley. Okay. Now that we've all shared. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought we were sharing. We're not sharing. I love it. All right. So here's what goes down for Cheryl. <laughs> you can't unhear it now. No, I hate you guys. Tony keeps trying to talk Cheryl into getting rid of Corpse Jason and Cheryl. <laughs> like, Corpse Jason. Oh, man. I got it. Like, I got to say Cheryl, Corpse Jason is Jason. Right. I gotta say. <laughs> Cheryl keeps bargaining to keep him. Cheryl relents and they rebury re dead Jason. Uh, before he's even in the ground, though, Cheryl enacts a gruesomely toxic plan where she decides to gaslight her girlfriend for an entire day in order to convince her to let her keep her dead brother in the house. It's pretty messed up. Uh, there's a haunting in Thistle House, so Cheryl sets up a creepy doll to convince Tony that they're being haunted by Jason's ghost, but she's not buying it. She throws the doll in the trash. Uh, they dress up as Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, which is pretty iconic, and then they get a little frisky before being interrupted by crying babies, which, uh, they still have for some reason. Okay? Well, Polly can't take care of them, F.B. and Alice! Right, but F.B. and Alice are right there. Hello? And, like, Betty and Jughead are also... I mean, I guess everyone has lives, but, like, Nana Rose is the only person really actually watching these babies, and I have concerns. I know. And see, we... Sorry, I know that your summary isn't over, but now this is... You're good. Uh, See, we think of them as, like, Cooper babies, but, like, then you think of it and you're just like, they were also Jason's children. They were also Blossom babies. So it does make sense that they Yeah, I mean, Cheryl is their aunt. Yeah, Yeah. it makes sense. But I'm like, she's a teenager? Right, and, like, but Cheryl's even not even, like, the main person watching the babies because she has to go to school. Yeah. Um, So Nana Rose is the main person taking care of these infants and like she's senile yeah i mean and so, she's nana rose yeah right um at justice for darius so like someone call <laughs> darius please um anyway uh when they go to check on the kids they're actually asleep but nana rose says she heard a baby crying in the chapel that was cheryl's brother and baby ghost jason is just chilling there <laughs> baby ghost jason Cheryl swears on the ashes of Thornhill, which she burned down herself, so it means nothing. Uh, They decide to have a seance. I'm not one for Ouija boards because I'm not looking to get haunted, but but either Nana Rose was moving that planchard or the ghost of Julian was. Julian is um, Cheryl and Jason's dead twin triplet baby brother that never was born. Uh, Nana Rose reveals that Cheryl ate one of her brothers in the (laughs) womb. I gotta go. I gotta go right now. <laughs> making her, I'm, 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 I'm. making her chimera, which Robin explained last week. Then Penelope decided to raise this weird doll along with the twins uh, because no one ever said the Blossoms were sane people. Tony gives up and lets Cheryl dig up Jason again, and I'm tired of it. But it looks like the ghost of Julian is also sticking around because the creepy doll crawls its way out of the trash and sits on the bed. Yikes! 
and we never will hear from that doll again. You don't oh, think no. so? That doll is gonna like yeah. haunt our dreams for the foreseeable future. Is that doll slappy? Actually, the doll is clearly Annabelle, isn't it? The doll is like Annabelle Chucky, Chucky yeah. hybrid. Yeah. So there's actually a lot here to there's, parse through. I mean, psychologically, this storyline is messed up. It's so bad. And there's so many questions because, like, after Cheryl um, admits to literally using the word gaslighting, like, 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 if like she knew, excuses it. If she right. knew that it was gaslighting the whole time. Like, here's the thing is that, and I don't have a lot of experience with this, so Hi, take honey. that. Yay. Right, take that with a grain of salt. But, like, I've found, at least from what I know, that the people who are doing the gaslighting don't usually consider it gaslighting. They think they're doing, like, what's chill and what's, what's right. in yeah. their best interest. Yeah. So the fact that she, like, used the word gaslighting and knew mm-hmm. that she was gaslighting the whole time is, like, really it's gross. Even yeah. more insidious. But it also raises so many questions now. Is like, what did Cheryl know and what did she not know? What was she controlling? What was she not controlling? Like, now it's like, it's so confusing. Was she the one actually moving the Ouija board? I truly right. believe that she was because she was like, oh my gosh. And she moved it to Jay because it was going to spell out Jason. And then Nana Rose, like, hit her with this. And I, I think that that's something that Cheryl didn't know about personally. Right. Nana Rose was like, oh, plot twist. Y'all mind if I bring up this backstory? Please do. No, I meant Nana Rose. Oh, okay. That was my Nana Rose. I'm saying yes, we're here on a podcast. But like, okay, two things now. Mm -hmm. The baby's name is Julian. Yeah. So every time I hear it, I picture that weird baby Julian from uh, Meme Review 4 from Jenna Marbles. Uh I was like, when ball is life, when you're 12 and ball mm, snacks is life. Like, like, baby Julian with a weird Anyway, subscribe to Julian Salamita on YouTube. YouTube. But also Jenna Marbles. Yeah. And watch um, Meme Review 4 and Jenna Marbles animated because it's really good. Mm-hmm. For um, that good Julian content. That good mm-hmm. Julian content. Um, and then my second thing I already forgot because I made my Julian joke. Sorry. Thanks. <laughs> um, it was worth it though. When she said Julian, I was like, up, 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 up. <laughs> Like, genuinely, like, Julian is a name that's, like, on my baby list because I love Julian Solomita with my entire heart. And I think Julian is a beautiful name. Yeah. yeah it truly is. But they spell it differently. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to know when we tweet which Julian we're talking about. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, good. Because I was worried. Yeah, they spell it with an A on here. And yeah. we'll definitely will not be calling this Julian Julian. I remember what my second thing was. Yay! We were right about the triplet. Yeah. Kind of. Sort of. We got the gender wrong, but like we got the gender enough. wrong, and and we also all thought that the baby had been born and then was taken away by Claudia. Right. I, you know what? I still stand by this. I think that that baby was born. Okay. And that someone stole it. Yeah, but this makes more sense with the word chimera, and because we thought, oh, they must have just misused the word, but right. Maybe. But like, why did why did she raise the doll? I think I think trauma does mess people up. Mm-hmm. So it could be that that like so like was that. A coping mechanism for Penelope? Or yes. Which, yes. Or yeah. what, like, my other thought was, like, is this a common thing that people do to, like, keep Cheryl from having mental craziness? No. Like, sorry, like, can, you, can you rephrase that? Sorry. Yeah. Um, like, so is this a thing that people do if, if this situation happens mm-hmm. to, like... Twins or triplets? Right. Yeah. To convince the one that ate the other that, like... They didn't cannibalize their their uh, sibling in the womb. I'm right? I'm inclined to say no because it doesn't seem like she knew about it. Wait, hang okay. on. To be clear, does chimera really mean that you ate it? Um, absorbed no, absorbed it. is the is really the word that it's used. But like yeah. you have you have two different sets of DNA. So 
And Nana Rose said she ate it. Yeah, she she was basically just being like lewd. Yeah. Oh, okay. I like on Orphan Black. There's like a specific character who um, had like two different types of DNA, and that's the reason why they were like a scientific phenomenon, and they like needed that person for like specific things. Okay. And like it was like I think there were. God, I'm so sorry. I haven't rewatched Orphan Black in a very long time, but if anybody remembers this stuff on Orphan Black, please get back to me about this. But it was something about like, I think there was like Sarah and Helena and then they, they were twins, but, and then they both came from the same person, but then, but they had different DNA and, or something, or maybe it wasn't Sarah and, and Helena. They were also they, clones. Yeah. And no, it was I think like, it's Sarah and Helena because they have yeah. like a special bond above the rest of them. Yeah. But it was like, it both, they both came from Siobhan's mom, I think. But she had two different types of DNA because she had a twin in the womb that she absorbed. And then, yeah, it was, like, this whole thing. But, like, that's that's basically where my knowledge of that comes from is from that, like, okay. episode arc on Orphan Black, like, in the later season. I think from my understanding, when something like that happens, it's still very early in the fetal development. Right? Yes. So, like, it's not so much, like, Cheryl grew teeth and ate her twin in the womb. But yeah. I would believe that of Cheryl. <laughs> yeah. She's a good Jason was like, you know? you know what? It's chill. You, like, it. you, you can you can have it. <laughs> it's just interesting that they named the twins before, or the tw- triplets before it's... they came out. Like, they were like, number one is this, number two is this, number three is this. Yeah. Or was she just like, I like the names Cheryl and Jason, and then, like, I guess we'll do Julian. And then when Julian was, like, dead or whatever, she was like, okay, well, we'll let's just nix the name Julian then. Maybe. But you know? also, like, like if she weird. was raising the doll, like, she had, like, decided that already. Yeah. And was like, okay, these are my triplets that I had, like, named at three months or six months or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, Which, so- like, people do name their kids before they have them. Oh, so. for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Unrelated, but, um, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Tony needs to dump Cheryl and leave? It's not I'm It's looking not good, good, guys. Yeah, like, I'm shocked that, that she, like, put up with this for as- I, much as she did. I genuinely feel like this was a missed opportunity to have Vanessa do something really cool. Yeah. Like, she was very, yeah. what's the word, like, complacent? Yeah. yeah. They played this more as a joke than as, like, something that was super messed up. Like, you know, there's definitely a comedy, like, the Weekend at Bernie's type of comedy, yeah. right? But I'm like, th- this just seems so weird to me. It's it's just really... It's uncomfortable. It's deeply bad. Like, Riverdale had a huge opportunity to, like, take advantage of this storyline to tell a story about mental health and how if you don't pay attention to your mental health, it can get to a really bad place and, like, you need people to pull you out of that. And Tony could have been that for Cheryl. But they just have her basically give up and let her girlfriend keep her corpse brother in the house like as a pet as and 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 tony just doesn't like she fights it but then she immediately gives up again and immediately it's just like, okay you're being manipulated and she's telling you she's manipulating yeah. manipulating you and i'm like do you guys both actually care about each other like tony do you care about her enough to like help her get help because yeah. she's clearly suffering and cheryl do you like see what you're doing as manipulation like you literally call it a you an call abuse it, term yes. but do it anyway and it's mm-hmm. just, like, are you guys that's not love they're not okay yeah. and they need help and it's like mm, they'll probably erase this in the next episode yeah and it's just like i'm really upset about it because like i like Cheryl and tony for the rep- representation that they provide a lot and like they're really important for that for a lot of people and but the quality of that representation is also like it's low it's so bad right now and i can't applaud that for what it is yeah bring it back bring it back together when it's healthy again yeah i mean they've always kind of treated them as like 
not as a joke, but as like a relationship that they don't have to develop as much. And mm -hmm. I'm like, but if anything, you should be developing this more. This shouldn't be like a casual thing. Like, please take this seriously. Right. Like you have such a responsibility, whether you want it or not. And especially because that writer's room is full of like queer people. What are y'all doing? Mm -hmm. Also, I think one thing that we are not really um, mentioning enough is that like, this is freaking gross. Yeah. yeah there's a dead body in their house. It's gonna stink. So bad. There's rats literally in him. Literally. It's nasty. So would you say that if you are not very careful, your possessions will possess you? <sighs> I don't want to talk to you. I'm so tired. Would you say that? Yes, I would. Would, con would say that confirmed. Okay, perfect. Going into my notes, I just wanted to say that this, like, the beginning of this, like, Jason reveal was, like, pure comedy. Mm -hmm. She's like, I think it's time to stop. And she's like, oh, what? And <laughs> You know, Jason hey. being at the breakfast table. Yeah. Right. Um, but my favorite part of that moment was that um, Jason has his own pumpkin. <laughs> yeah. that, that literally, that broke Robin so much she had to pause to point it out to all of us. The fact that she, that Cheryl like expects Jason to carve his own jack-o'-lantern, that she went to the store and was like, this one's for Jason. Yep. Mm -hmm. Cheryl. Like, it's supposed to be funny, but like, Cheryl, are you okay? Yeah, no, she's not okay. Especially when later she says, um, I swear on Jason's life. Like, sis, Cheryl, what he did. have one. It's been, like, two years since he died. Like, Jason cannot be, like, if you believe in, like, this Ouija board stuff, and it was Jason speaking, which I truly believe it wasn't, but uh, Jason doesn't want this for you, Cheryl. Right. No. Like, if he's looking down on you, he doesn't, he doesn't want this for you. He wants you to move on. Yeah. I think for me, the timing's weird. Yeah. Like, this would have made sense in, like, season two. Yeah, sure. When, like, too, I would have bought when it. that death was so fresh yeah. and I hadn't found out, like, who killed him. Like, the trauma of finding out that his own father killed him should have snapped Cheryl then. But instead, like, her, uh, I mean, as we've always said, her personality yo-yos depending on the will of the writers. Mm -hmm. Yep. So this just makes no sense to me. Like, it's probably going to last for a while, which already makes me angry. It's deeply frustrating. So I was under the impression that Cheryl, like... All of the stuff about Jason, Cheryl knew about and was doing on purpose. But all of the stuff with Julian and the doll was not. Yeah. Right. I think she was using the doll as a prop for her ploy against Tony. But I don't think she knew the history of the doll. Oh, so you think- Like, I think she found it in the attic and was like, oh, this is perfect. This is and then crazy. Nana Rose is like- this is where this came from. <laughs> this, that Sorry, makes... what was that? <laughs> no, not <laughs> doing it again. That makes a lot of sense because one of my notes here was, so Cheryl has never seen this doll before and she's not afraid of this random doll that just showed up in her living room. Right. So it makes sense that she would have like gone and found it and just didn't know the history of it. And Cheryl clearly has not seen Annabelle because that girl should be more afraid of a random doll appearing. Why is the, but why is the doll dressed up like a sailor? Why is Julian a sailor? I mean, we had a reason for that, but I think even as I said the last episode, that turned out to be like... Too smart. Yeah, like we thought we thought it through too thoroughly. <laughs> yeah, and also like that doll is like significantly bigger than an infant. Well, I think she was like aiming to like raise through through first year. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Did Cheryl set up the twins crying on the monitor as well? <gasps> she didn't think about that. And then I said, if so, she really cock blocked herself. Yeah, I know. Wow. I was like, ma'am. That one, I'm not sure about. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's confusing. Because like, I feel like she did set up the doll. But it would have been a, like, at whatever point we walk in here next situation. But um, then it's like, I heard your brother crying in the chapel. And then I think that she was talking about Julian at that point. Mm -hmm. Nana Rose was. Yeah. 
So was it Julian who was crying on the baby monitor? Like, yeah, do I, we believe that Julian is actually a supernatural, like, thing that's going on? Like, is no, Julian an actual cool. ghost? No. Because, okay, in because that case, this is the moment that we need to decide that. You know what I mean? Yeah, in that case, then, I do feel like Cheryl probably set it up. Set up the baby monitor thing? Yeah. Yeah. I would love if it was an actual supernatural thing, but this show always back, like, backs away it walks from supernatural right, stuff. It walks right up to it, and then it's like, mm, no. Yeah. I feel like it's it's always it's very good about like revealing the Scooby mask, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like ghost babies are scarier than ghost like full on adults. True. So I'm a little scared. That's why that's why ghost children are like such a like wh- horror movie staple, right? Yeah. So they bury the doll, right? They don't bury Jason at first. They bury the doll, right? right. No, uh Tony throws the doll in the garbage. I thought she said that they were well, burying it. At- at the beginning, Tony throws the doll in the garbage, but once they decide to bring Jason back and, like, make a pact, Tony says she's going to bury this thing in right. the garbage. Exactly. Oh, bury it in no, the No, 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 sorry. Bury oh. it in his thing. Yeah. His grave. So, but, okay. um, but I don't know if they actually do that. Right. Can you check the script and see what yeah. she says when she brings it back in? I believe... That she does. I can check, though. But, like, my next question was, did Cheryl dig up the doll? And I think that's yes. Oh, Cheryl, get some help. I think it's no. You don't? I think if it got buried, I think... I mean, Nana Rose. It can be Nana Rose. What um, what word would you like me to search in the script for? Like, um, um, doll? Search shower and you'll get down there. How's your shower? Wives is sitting on my bed. I thought we agreed to put an end to this. Jason's back. You got what you wanted. Although it pains me to admit it, yes, I was gaslighting you before, and for that I apologize, but I swear on Jason's life I have no idea how that got back into the house. Right. We need to go farther back, I think. No, that's that's where I was talking about. Like, oh. Tony doesn't... Oh, well, then how is this happening? I mean, we for sure buried this doll. Right, right. Yeah, there. Yeah. And then I told you it's Julian. So, like, I hope that it's not Cheryl continuing to be gaslighty. Yeah. Um, I don't But also, I don't know what else it would be. Like, Maybe after you admit more. it. I mean, right. Well, like, after admitting it, like, why would you keep. Like, like I said, like, Tony's you know? being so complacent. And especially after Cheryl being like, yeah, I gaslighted you. I lied to you. Like, that's when Tony goes, great. So let's bury Jason again, you freaking crazy person. Right. Like, she just lets her keep Jason. Yeah, it's very not Tony. Because, like, anytime Cheryl kind of bulldozes Tony in the past, Mm -hmm. Tony's like, hey, no. Yeah, with the poisons last season. But, like, this time she's just like, okay, I guess this is our life now. Yeah. We're like, please don't. So she she says... She says that she swears on the ashes of Thornhill, which we should we should have known that it wasn't true because she's the one that burned down Thornhill. Yeah. Right. So Cheryl was moving the planchette, in my opinion, because she was like moving it to Jay for Jason. She was trying to move it to Jason. Exactly. Right. You are not supposed to take your hands off the planchette. I don't know. Like, obviously, they weren't potentially t- actually talking to anybody, but I still think that the rules apply, and you're not supposed to take your hands off the planchette. You know, when- like you have to say goodbye before you take your hands off. Yeah, the planchette. you have to say goodbye, otherwise you leave the door open. Yeah, right. I've seen enough horror movies to know this. Exactly. Whether or not I believe it is up for debate. But I'm still not going to touch. But a I would never word touch because I'm not into risking that. Yeah. Exactly. Like I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. Yeah. You said the exact <laughs> same thing last episode. <laughs> I literally was listening to that today. And I then said, you said superstitious? Yeah. Superstitious. Yes, and then you said, where did I get that? And Sam said, the office, and you said, thank you. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was overwhelmed and underwhelmed. You said that the other day, but we weren't on the pod. Hmm. But what, that is also from the office. No, that's from Clueless. Get some help. 
Isn't that also in the office? Nope, though? it's not. It's not clueless. It's ten things I hate about you. I know you can be overwhelmed. I know you can be underwhelmed. But can you ever just be wound? That just feels like such a Michael Scott quote that I, you know. So my next question was like, did Cheryl know this? And I'm talking about uh, like knowing the stuff about Julian. I don't think so. She mm-hmm. looked pretty shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, she's like rolling with the punches just to get Jason back. Oh, yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, um, gross. Okay, my next question. If she, okay, if she is doing this, do you think it's because she wants to find out more information about Julian? Or it seemed like she is she just not doing it and is now being haunted? It seems like she like completely changes directions like back to Jason as soon as she learns that though. Mm. So yeah, I don't know. I think we need to watch the next episode to figure out more about Julian and whether or not this is an actual haunting or if Nana Rose is a mastermind, which honestly it's possible yeah because nana rose has done some stuff like in season two when we found out that she was like one of the people who was there for the hanging of that one guy yeah Yeah, like basically was like an accomplice on murder yeah yeah and then she says that she swears on jason's life i'm i'm i i i I don't believe you he does not have a life so right like after her saying i swear on the ashes of thornhill knowing that that had a double meaning and that you were lying so now you swear on Jason's life when Jason doesn't have a life. I don't believe you again. Like, Cheryl, I'm going to need you to swear on something um, real. Tish crying so... wolf. Yeah. Oh, my, my last note for the storyline was Tony just walks past the gaslighting comment. Right. Yeah, their relationship is not healthy. It's right not now. good, no. and I'm sad. Yeah. Yeah. As, as sad as I would be to lose the representation, I'm more sad for Tony. Yeah. And I think she needs to get out of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't normally say uh, a character deserves better other than Abby Griffin on The 100. Oof. Um, but uh, Tony kind of deserves better right now. And it's just like at some point that they, they like they could figure this out together or like help each other through it. But like everything that happened in this episode is just not good. Yeah. And so they either need to split or actual work on actual solutions. Go to therapy. Um, yeah. And I think I think Cheryl needs someone like Tony, but Tony is not acting like Tony right now, mm-hmm. so it's upsetting. Mm-hmm. Well, like um, the reason why Tony got all brought in with the farm is because of Cheryl, because Cheryl was in with the farm, and she's been like brainwashed by the farm. Like, how much of this is residue from like what happened mm. in the farm? And if so, should she not be with Polly right now at the treatment center? Right. You I know? mean, Shady Grove could be the new Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Ugh. Oh, heck. I feel like, like, is there anything to glean from the name Shady Grove? Not really. They're just real I think places. It's a Shady Grove. Yeah. Shady Grove Fertility. Oop. It's like a very common name for yeah. places like what it's being used for. Sure. Okay. It sounds soothing. Um, Sam, do you want to talk about your horror movie things? Um, my horror movie references for this episode mm. for this storyline story are. Chucky and Annabelle, obviously, for the doll. Haunting of Hill, Hill House, yeah. um, which I haven't seen, but I feel like it has <gasps> oh, a lot of... it's so good! It's on my list. It's on my list. But I feel like this has a lot of similar energy because of Thistle House and, like, the haunting and etc. Um, and Bates Motel for uh, Cheryl keeping Jason's dead Ooh. body, like, a taxidermy situation. Yeah. There you go. Cool. Um, so before we move on to the next storyline, we're going to talk a little bit about an app called TV Co. <laughs> we sound like... <laughs> We're like, we sound like hashtag spawns, but like, 
no guys, like this is a real thing. Yeah, it's really exciting. You guys know how hard we work, so it's really exciting to be able to have this sort of opportunity. Um, so we've partnered with a app called TV Co. You can find it in the description, um, but it's TVCO. And basically it's just as like live stream and conversation about TV shows. So if you want to download the app, you can follow us at The Aficionados as, as usual. Um, and if you follow us, you should be able to get a notification for when we go live. We go live every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. PST. That's 7 p.m. Vancouver time. And we rewatch the previous week's episode in preparation for the new episode, which comes out the very next day. Now, eventually here, we're going to be getting to a hiatus. So I just wanted to let you guys know that on the hiatus week, we are going to be first rewatching The Midnight Club. <laughs> so uh, make sure you go in there and um, uh, follow us so that you don't miss it because we want to talk about The Midnight Club with you. That's obviously going to be in a couple weeks, but first hiatus. I don't want you to miss it. <laughs> we're going to rewatch Midnight Club. And it's a chaotic experience because we have a, we gather our whole apartment to do it. So mm -hmm. uh, it's it's fun. Yeah. Uh, last week we had five whole people in here, and uh, then we had like a bunch of people in our stream, and it was super fun. And yeah, it's a good time. I had a good time. Yeah, I have fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's great. So we hope that you will enjoy us every Tuesday night at seven p.m. Uh, Vancouver time um, on the TV Co app, which like I said, you can find in the description. Yay. So now we're going to be doing Jughead and Brittany did the Jughead uh, summary. I sure did. What was that? I don't know. I'm a little uncomfortable though. <laughs> yeah. Let's Southern save. appropriation, Brittany. Cool. Here's Jughead's plot line. Okay. It's so in depth. <laughs> Jughead finds Moose's super secret pamphlet about the army laying strategically on a desk. He doesn't want Moose to leave, but Brett has made life impossible on account of he calls him Gargoyle Boy. Harsh. <laughs> Jughead goes to class and judges Brett's horror book choices. Brett explains that his choice opposed the cask of that, I can't say that word. Amontillado. Thank you. Because I read it as armadillo. <laughs> <laughs> Which is about someone getting sealed behind a wall of bricks and is not in any way foreshadowing. His classmates bring up the legend of the Stonewall Four. Mr. Chipping tells Jughead that the stories of the four students disappearing over 30 years from the school without a trace is just an urban legend because their asses actually dropped out. Donna straight up drugs Jughead and he spends the rest of the episode trapped in a coffin. Really? Yeah. Mr. Chipping finds the coffin and frees Jughead. He's been hazed and now he belongs at Stonewall. Me. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, he spends most of the episode in a coffin. Uh, yeah, and then at the end he like talks to Betty and just like asks questions about his own storyline. And that's it. Right. Okay, so Sam and I were talking about this um, earlier. How has no one brought up the fact that this place is called Stonewall? Yeah. Which is, yeah. like, an incredibly important place to the entire, like, queer community. Mm -hmm. And they're setting this plotline there. I just, I have a lot of questions. I feel like, I mean, like, if they were planning on doing this particular storyline, talking about people stuck inside walls... Like, maybe that's the reason why they called it Stonewall is because, like, people are getting trapped behind stone walls. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like it's it's just a weird choice given, like, as we said before, how many... That how, name is. And just, like, how many queer people are in that writer's room. And so it's not like they wouldn't be aware of it. So, yeah, like, what's up? What, what's going on? I, like, it could be a tribute. It's just, like, a weird one. Like, yeah, I'm just, like... I, I forever wonder, choice. like, what goes on in that writer's room. Yeah. So Moose and the army actually seems like a pretty good fit for him after being in the RROTC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So if that's what he's done, then, but like, do okay. you guys think Moose actually went to the army, or do you guys think Moose is the Stonewall fifth? 
Oh, oh I don't know. No. There's like, like they literally gave us like this small scene of Moose, and then they like, then he was just missing. So it's like I don't, and like we were just with Jughead, and Jughead was like, "Did they want me out of the way while they got rid of Moose?" And it's like, I mean, maybe, but like, how I'd did like they get the rid of Moose? Like, I don't know. I wasn't there. You know? Right. I would like to know. I would like. Do you have any theories? Because I personally no. don't. It's like one or the other. No, I have none, you know? Right, but I think we're led to question which one it is, you know? Just like Archie, I mean, just like Jughead is. I mean, I just, like, I feel like, okay, Brett has two roommates. It's Moose and Jughead, and, like, I have a feeling that Moose is, like, a much more chill roommate for him to have than Jughead, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I feel like Brett definitely messed up. Like, why are you trying to get rid of Moose? Kate, you know, not to bring up politics, but this has been my entire question with like Trump and Joe Biden the entire time where he's like, I want dirt on Joe Biden. And I'm like, Bernie and Elizabeth Warren are right there and they're bigger threats than Joe Biden will ever be. Why did you choose Biden? It's the same kind of reasoning where it's like, why did you pick that one? The real threat is next to you. Yeah. Speaking of politics and this storyline, do we think Brett is maybe homophobic? And that's part of why he got rid of me. He just seems homophobic. It's just, like, he, he was hooking up with a woman, though. I know, but, like, you know. But Moose is an out bisexual, so. Is, yeah, but is he out here? Like, he was out to Jughead. True. Ooh. But is he out here, you know? I don't know. I, don't I know. feel like the confidence with which he said it. Yeah. Um, at that point made me believe that he is out here here also i don't think that this is a thing that they'll explore but i am gonna just mark brett down as a homophobe sure (laughs) you know what hey tracks yeah um one of the things that i say on the lost podcast a lot is that like uh there's this character of sawyer and he's uh homophobic he's racist he's very very racist he's like not really a great guy yeah he's basically human garbage yeah but he you know of course he's handsome and he makes funny jokes so he's like a race favorite character which i am absolutely guilty of but uh the guy who plays him is named josh and josh is a lovely lovely human Mm -hmm. and i'm like sometimes i feel bad for josh that he has to say these things and he said and he but like he does such a good job in the way that like you can tell like Sawyer is absolutely racist. Like, he says it with such confidence that you're like, man, that guy sucks. You know? (laughs) But, like, I know that Josh doesn't feel that way. And I'm just like, Josh, I'm so sorry you have to say these things. I don't know anything about him, but um, I'm sure that the man who plays Brett is, like, a lovely person. Sure, of course, of course, of course. So, yeah. I guess that's the point I wanted to make. (laughs) Um, They call him Gargoyle Boy when uh, Gargoyle Prince is right there. Right there. But, okay. Gargoyle Boy is lazy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, like, just do better. That's my whole thing when people bully me online and they go for things like, you're fat or you're gay, and I'm like, yeah, and? Get yeah. more creative. <laughs> hit me where I live. I mean, like... Tell them where they where they can hit you. Yeah, like, like <laughs> stop inviting people to bully you. I was literally about to say, like, here's all the things you could bully me about, that I'm like, mm, Tell don't him where he my- keep his grapes, Jim. <laughs> the fridge! <laughs> um, don't bully my girlfriend, or... Sorry, don't bully my fiancé, or I'll, um... I'll beat you up. Beach, you just got a promotion. (laughs) Finally, I've been waiting. (laughs) Um, So they're supposed to bring their favorite horror writers to class. Jughead brings H.P. Lovecraft, which is fun. Sure. Um, Brett, well, um, uh, Jughead thought that he brought the Raven, um, but he didn't. He brought a different Edgar Allan Poe story. Mm -hmm. Um, But I understand why Jughead is like, you brought the Raven, because the Raven is, even though it's 
It's a little like it's like showing spooky. up with Stephen King. It's a little spooky, but like the Raven is actually like about grief and yeah, like, yeah. Being unable to escape grief. You know what I mean? Like it's not really that scary. So I understand why Jughead was like, like actually one of the moments that I really loved, like sitting here with like us five roommates, was like when Jughead said you brought the Raven and we all laughed in <laughs> Brett's <laughs> face. <laughs> We're like, Ooh. I thought that was so funny. Okay, so the um, story that he did bring was the cask of. Amontillado, which is not armadillo. I know. Sorry if that was. If I didn't mean to offend anyone. I just my brain went armadillo. <laughs> um, it's so, all those L's, man. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Okay. So let me tell you a little about it. Cool. Uh, it's a short story by Edgar Allan Poe, first published in the November 1846 issue of Godey's Ladies Book. Oh, no comment. Okay. The story set in an unnamed Italian city at carnival time in an unspecified year. So like when all we know is that it's at carnival time. So uh, like Riverdale. Yeah. <laughs> is about a man taking fatal revenge on a friend who he believes has insulted him. I love it's not just like you slept with my wife or like you killed my brother. It's like, hey, you said that I have feminine hips. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing I'm sensitive about. Yeah. Like several of Poe's stories, and in keeping with the 19th century fascination with the subject, the narrative revolves around a person being buried alive, in this case by immurement, as in The Black Cat and The Telltale Heart, which I believe another Riverdale episode has been called. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. Poe conveys the story from the murderer's perspective. So they use the word immurement, and I did not know what that meant, so uh, here's what that means. It's a form of imprisonment, usually until death, in which a person is placed within an enclosed space with no exit. This includes instances where people have been enclosed in extremely tight confinement, such as within a coffin. When used as a means of execution, the prisoner is simply left to die from starvation or dehydration. This form of execution is distinct from being buried alive, in which the victim typically dies of asphyxiation. So this makes sense because the whole episode we were thinking dude put out your lighter my man yeah. you're wasting your oxygen mm -hmm. and so I thought oh great that makes sense but Jughead has this dream that he that like when it's opened he gets dirt all up all up in his face right so in Jughead's mind he is underground right so it still is like Jughead okay. you're wasting your, you're wasting oxygen. your like, oxygen you think you're wasting your oxygen so what are you doing you know exactly. what I mean like does Jughead not know that he He'll run out of oxygen. Has he ever seen the CSI episode directed by Quentin Tarantino called Grave Danger that psychologically damaged me for life? Tell me more. <laughs> it made me, I, I have this irrational fear of being buried alive now because of that episode. That will never happen to me. Yeah. But I'm terrified of it. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Hell, what did I just say, Robin? I, I wasn't bullying. I was just saying some words. <laughs> That's bullying. I'm just warning you. <laughs> If you decide to bury my fiance alive, I will put you down there with her and dig wait, her up. Wait, <laughs> yeah, you're staying in there with me. This no. took a turn. I want to be free, Brittany. We're I'm too getting you out, Brittany. We're too close. I'm pulling. <laughs> we're literally ride or die. <laughs> no, I'm pulling a uh, Cheryl and Tony situation. I'm getting you out and putting Robin in. Brittany, time, I heard you're dead. <laughs> one time, uh, Sam told Robin and I that we were too close, mm -hmm. so we then proceeded to do things that would make her uncomfortable <laughs> just for fun. Um, it remains strange and upsetting. <laughs> Can you give me an example? <laughs> just like when you like share food from your mouth. When did we okay, do that? First of all, I only do that with my sister. I don't know. And like, sometimes you sit on each other a lot. She sits on me. I think that the pressure is comforting. <laughs> <laughs> the pressure it's like having a surrogate little sister mine's in Edmonton it's like hey if you can't afford a weighted blanket I'll be your weighted blanket <laughs> you know you know what that's a point that I can respect yeah 
Yeah. I'm just being helpful. No, <laughs> I can't. Rem- I'm I, I can't remember what the thing was yeah. that I said it was about, but I, I think it was a weird either. food thing. Yeah, it um, had something to do with food. Yeah. I don't remember and, what it was, and that's what that's why I was like, Are y'all okay? Close. Yeah. <laughs> but I also like kiss Robin on the head to tell her good night, so I have no room to talk. <laughs> yeah, I was like, mm, pot kettle. <laughs> Um, okay, so is Brett trying to warn Jughead, or is he just, like, being, like, winkety-wink, watch your back, yeet? Like, that's kind of warning, right? Both? Uh, I don't know. I don't care about Brett. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So they talk about the Stonewall 4, and Mr. Chipping says that it's literally, like, it was over 30 years, and they literally just dropped out, like, it's just a myth. And, like, when he was explaining it, I was like, yeah, that's a reach, your honor. (laughs) <laughs> well, when, when he was like, oh, it's just a myth, I was like, good thing this isn't a horror-themed episode where the phrase mm-hmm. urban legend doesn't immediately lead to something not being an urban legend. Right. Yeah. I wonder if that is going to come back, do you think? Well, I think the only the thing that will come back four? is that Mr. Mm-hmm. Chipping seems shady. Yeah. No, I, I think the Stonewall Whoa. 4 will absolutely come back because Sweet. I think it ties into Jughead going missing. And yeah. maybe the videotapes and stuff. Slash being dead. I definitely do think that it was, that, like, the Stonewall 4... Whether Jughead is, like, considered to be the Stonewall 5th or whatever. Like, I think that the Stonewall 4, like, Mr. Chipping is right that, like, it, it, it is a reach because, like, it happened over 30 years. It's like somebody, t- somebody like, counted how many students dropped out, you yeah. know? Like, so I definitely agree with that. Right. But anyway, I think it could be partly urban legend and like like you said, it could be just, like, some kids making up um scary stories. But... I do think it could also play into Jughead's disappearance in the in that way that students made this story up, but now they're taking it seriously and like acting it out right. to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of my next few notes are like just a lot of questions. So I'm just gonna like put them all out there and then we can talk about them. Yeah. So why did Donna, Jonathan, and Joan agree to this? Did they think it was actually a hazing ritual to welcome him? Does Donna think it was Jughead's fault that Moose is gone and Brett convinced her that that was true, which is why she was so malicious in drugging him? I think if this is a tradition that they've all been through it also Mm. and we're like, your turn, bitch. Yeah, I think she truly considers it a hazing ritual and that there's no malicious intent behind it. Just uh, the fact, like, when she went, like, when he was like, I think I need some air, and he, like, fell down and she went, no, I think you need to lie down. It was just, like, super, like, ugh. You know I mean, what I mean? Like, yeah. was it just the episode? Yeah. Or, like, like it felt, I don't know. The way I'm making it make sense in my head was that, like, Brett was like, Donna, like, Jughead's the, like, like, is he trying to tell her that he that Jughead's the one who like has spreading is spreading all of these things about Moose and so and like she was hooking up with Moose so like does she like Moose she says like bye Marmaduke so is he like convincing her that Jughead's the reason why Moose is leaving and so that makes her go against Jughead is like kind of how my brain was going right because I because I, no I was idea. having a hard time making that make sense because it seemed like in previous episodes like she was like don't mess with Brett and the other people were like really uncomfortable when Brett was like speaking to Jughead so I thought it was weird that they were teaming up yeah well I mean you always fall people will fall in line behind the bully if Mm -hmm. if they're afraid of being the target yeah I don't know okay well interesting so Jughead mentions when once he's in there he says that he has survived worse 
So. I mean, yeah. Then of course we skip most of the episode because he just spends like a full two times we see him inside of the box. Mm -hmm. yeah. He's just dreaming of the dirt because he's actually just like sitting in Chipping's office. And then he goes, so now you belong now. What? Okay. And he's like, he's like, I don't know. Do you want to just like leave? Like it felt, it feels like, I don't it know. Feels weird. It was, it's like, if everybody's gone through that, then, like, did Brett, like, antagonize them all so much to say, like, do you want to just leave? Because, like, none of them did. Man, you know? I would be like, yeah, I'm gonna go. Yeah, I don't. Like Why it. would I go big when I could just go home? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> also, his phone was, like, literally just, like, sitting right beside the box, I guess. And <laughs> Mr. Chipping's like, hey, looks like you got a lot of missed calls. I'm like, stop looking at his phone. Are you, do you think he chipped his phone? Is Mr. Chipping with Charles? No, how is how so. is Charles listening in on Betty and Jughead's call? Betty's phone. Betty's phone. Okay. Or do we think some of the other stuff he's helping with of peon? I don't I know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But um he so Jughead's like, Mr. Chipping, like, did you know about this? And he's like, Of course not. But my man hesitated. No, mm -hmm. he knew. Yeah, I think he knew. Uh, and like yeah. the fact that he has no intentions of like punishing the people who psychologically yeah. tortured one of his other students kind of kind of messed up. Yeah. I didn't like that. I'm sorry, but you don't put Sam Witwer in that role and not have him ultimately be someone later. Mm -hmm. Like, he's right. enough of, like, an established, like, actor that you're gonna go somewhere with him. Mm -hmm. Right. Hello? So, so Moose has vanished now. He's gone. Oh, sad. Poof. Uh, Jughead's chatting with Betty and saying that if he were to go missing, Betty would be the one to find him. Yep. And I guess she did. She sure did. Just so where she wanted to find him. We get a uh, flash forward, which gives us way more answers than we have had previously because previously my note about the flash forward was don't know the answer, don't have enough information to theorize. Yeah, right. Um, but now we have some information to theorize. I expected them to leave that sheet over top of his head. I did too. But when they revealed it, that was cool sprouts. And I, Brittany made a funny joke. She said, oh my gosh, it's Dylan. <laughs> um, but uh, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't, so yeah. not sure what's going on. Um, my main question about this is, was that Dr. Curdle Jr.? Where's Dr. Curdle Jr.? Yeah, you actually asked that out loud when we were watching. Right. Like, was he only a character for season three? What happened to him? Where is Dr. Curdle Jr.? I don't know. We just don't, don't they know. still need him? We'll see. I don't know. Does Jughead have a weird twin? Is Jughead dead? I feel bad for FP. So, okay, your thoughts on the flash forward. Um, this is a very elaborate ruse. Yeah, my current operating theory, which I've been holding on to since really the end of last season's, like, I know what you did last summer situation, is that for some reason, though it is yet to be revealed, Jughead has to fake his death. Exactly. And that the core four are in on it. And that's why Betty is there. I don't but know FP. if I don't know if FP is in on it yet, but it's a pretty bold flex to show Cole Sprouse sitting there looking like a whole corpse. Well, they tried um, to do that to us in season two and we didn't believe it. Right. And then they tried to do it. No, never mind. It was just in season two. I think they tried to do it to Archie in season three or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm hesitant to believe it because this is Riverdale and he's a main character. Yeah. And as multiple actors on Riverdale have said, no one's ever really dead on mm -hmm. Riverdale. So I'm hesitant to believe it. I think it's all a big red herring and somehow he's faking his death. Yeah, it's either that or like Cole Sprouse wants to leave. Right. Which would make more sense, which I would believe if he wasn't dating Lily. Right. But because he's dating Lily, I don't believe it. Like, why yeah. would you give up a job where you get to kiss, kiss your, girlfriend your girlfriend on television? Like, if, if, 
if either of them left, you would, like, you would never see your significant other. Right. Like, ever. Like, you get to spend so much time with them. And, like, as actors, like, you're lucky because actors are so busy. And, right. like, all day. All day. So, yeah, I don't believe it. What, what do you think, Brittany? I don't have any further thoughts. Okay. Yeah. So, that's the Jughead storyline. Yep. Should we move on to Betty? Yee. All right. Let's wrap it up with our best gal. Yeah. Okay. The Joneses and the Coopers all watch the VHS together. Yes, that's right. Alice, FP, Jughead, Betty, and Charles. So, uh... Frick, Polly, and Jellybeans drag. It's just a recording of their house, like for hours and hours. It turns out a bunch of people all over town receive tapes like this. Archie, Veronica, Pop, Cheryl in particular. It's mega creepy. FP and Alice are real domestic now, which Betty doesn't seem to be into. Betty, get with the program. Yeah, get on board, Betty. At school, Betty is understandably upset when she sees people are dressed up as the Black Hood and the Gargoyle King for the holiday. That is a uh, mega messed up. On Halloween night, Jellybean is dressed as Rosie the Riveter and Betty is dressed as Laurie Strode from the original Halloween movie. Jellybean is kind of like, you're not my real sister, which like, go off, I guess. <laughs> Jellybean goes upstairs to play Minecraft and Betty is left to hand out candy alone since both Alice and FP are working. She begins getting creepy calls from someone posing as her father. After hearing a noise, Betty runs upstairs to see Jellybean bleeding on the floor with a cutthroat, but JB says it's just a prank, bro. <laughs> it's every day, bro. <laughs> They say that the call is coming from inside the house. Ooh. Charles comes over with pizza and helps her track the call. Turns out Polly is doing it. What the hell? Yikes. Frick you, Polly. After all that good mystery solving, Charles tells Betty that she might be a good candidate for the FBI junior training program. Betty will consider it. As she talks to Jughead on the phone about Charles, it's revealed that Charles is listening in. What's that about, bro? Maybe my main man's Charles just doesn't know how to conduct himself in a family situation. That's what I'm hoping for, at least. Yeah, I'm going to pretend it's that. I'm hoping it's a red herring. Like, please. One of the things that I said when we were watching um, originally was, like, if Charles ends up being evil at the end of this season, I will be devastated. Right, like, I can't... We all established at the beginning of this podcast that we are in it for the Cooper Jones family. Mm -hmm. And I can't handle another personal tragedy ruining their lives. Exactly. So don't do that to me. Thank you. Um, One of the things that I... If we can just skip to the end real quick since we're talking about it. I I had um, uh, Please Don't Be Evil... Uh, and then why is he listening in? He, but he's smiling nicely when he listens in. It's not like evil, right? He's smiling. It's not sinister at all. He's no. Yeah. Like it's absolutely a, oh, my sister actually likes me. Like smile. Yeah. And one of the things I think that one of the details that makes this makes me believe that it is not necessarily like really like pure hearted in the way that it's like, I mean, you're violating their privacy. It's not great. But I don't think he's being evil. I think that maybe the FBI is forcing him to get more information on this just because their family is so embroiled in, like, all of this random garbage that he kind of, like, has to and, like, he has an in, right? And it might be just, like, a thing that he has to do for his job. But one of the details that I think is the most important to note about this is that he is making notes. Mm, he's that's taking, a good point. He's taking notes about what they're saying. So who are the notes for? It, it didn't seem like it was just, like, for his own self, you know? Who are the notes for? I assume they're for the FBI. I like, is he investigating the tapes? Is he investigating Other than Moose money. going got missing? Like, what's the tea? Yeah, I, I don't know. But I think that's an important detail to note. Hmm. Same. Okay, so going to the 
top, um, the first thing that I thought while I was doing my rewatch today was that I thought that the phone calls and the tapes would be connected, but I guess they're not. Yeah, not, not, not another red herring. Well, part of me fears, while we're still adjacent to the Charles storyline, mm-hmm. part of me fears that he was the one doing it and he framed Polly, which is something he uh, could do with his set. Just like, to get at Betty to do the FBI thing. Yeah. Right. Or to like... Anyway. Anyway, it's a uh, article to write. Yeah, we got we got things to do, guys. So we're gonna just like talk through the fireworks. So I hope you'll forgive us. Uh, go ahead, Sam. Uh, anyway, I just I I don't want any of this to be true, but I worry that he is pulling similar behavior to fake Charles, mm-hmm. uh, wherein he like like Chick, you mean? Yeah, like Chick, mm-hmm. where he sort of like ingratiates himself to Betty and Alice by framing Polly to be a bad guy. Yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah. not sure. I definitely also don't want that to be true, but I do think it's important to like throw those theories out there. Just right. In case. Like I deeply hope it's not true. And like that Polly was just having a rough night and decided to be a crazy person. Um, I would say that like Polly hanging up first was an indication that she did it with like, yes. my yeah. opinion. Yes, I, I agree. agree. Yeah. It's not like Betty was like, you're a psycho. And then like hung up first. Like Polly's the one who was like, I, uh, and then she hung up. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's true. So I don't know. Agreed. Um, so everyone is watching these VCR or the sorry the VHSs that they got, but um, I'm a little confused as to how everybody still has a VCR. Right. Like, I was thinking that same thing. I don't know, like like my grandma maybe still has a VCR. I haven't seen a VCR in ages. I think my mom has a VCR, but just like because she's trying to take all of our VHSs and turning them like into digital wholesome you know so yeah i'm just a little surprised that, that, that like everybody like archie you like archie has a vcr that makes sense for archie i feel like because riverdale is sort of a place that exists out of time mm-hmm. like they do have iphones and like take ubers but mm-hmm. they also use phone booths yeah and stuff like that it makes sense for them to all have like pieces of technology that exist in any timeline you know what i mean yeah and I like the the very beginning here. Um, it's also like revealed that it's not just the people we know. Like FP says that Ethel's family also got a tape, mm-hmm. which also like, hi, Ethel. Guess she's still around. I was like, you didn't die? But like, that means it's like not even just our main people. Like it's like, all, like a lot of people in Riverdale. Exactly. Right. Jughead was supposed to come home for Halloween. Like it seemed like Betty kind of just forgot. Yeah, like at one point did she not... Like, think to ask, hey, where's Jughead? Is Jughead okay? Is he also being haunted by this caller? Like, Jellybean was like, is Jughead coming? And she was like, yeah, at some point, like, I'm having a hard time getting a hold of him. But, like, Mr. Chipping's like, you have a lot of missed calls. And I'm like, when did Betty call Jughead? Exactly. Because <laughs> if she did, I wasn't there. Right. Um, well, I think she did call him at some point while she was watching movies. But we just, yeah. we don't see it. It's just implied. Uh, so FP has learned about Charles now. We didn't get to see that either. I'm sad. I would like to have seen it. Uh, Any opportunity that the show has to skip over the snake parents development, they will take. Yeah, um, yeah, it's just a complaint. Yeah, it's just really frustrating because, like, the last time we saw FP and Alice together, FP did not know about Charles being alive. Mm-hmm. Um, FP did not know that, like, Alice was an FBI informant. Mm-hmm. They had literally, like, literally the last time we saw them together was them breaking up. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, Her saying, do you love me? And him saying, doesn't matter anymore. Right. And so, like, a reunion was kind of, like, necessary here. Like, I am happy with, like, where they are now. And I, this is a... Like, I'll watch it. Right. Like, this is a position I always wanted them to be in at some point. But I would like to have seen them get there. Exactly. Um, Because they didn't talk about, like, Charles being alive, Alice being an FBI informant, how the farm sort of tore them apart, how... Sam, please. This is all (sighs) far too logical. I know. It's just, like, there's only so much that I want to make up. Exactly. Like, I want to make up, like, they're, like... I want to make up, like, everything that happened in high school. I appreciated Midnight Club sure. and everything that happened in high school. I can make that up. But, like, this stuff is, like, messy. Kind of crucial. Yeah. Right. Like, did they have that conversation? Did FP find out that Charles was alive before Alice became an informant? Did he know she was an informant? Did... Was he upset that Jughead kept it from him, if that answer is no? Right. Exactly. Or did he find out about Charles when he showed up and started speaking to Betty and Jughead and, like, is just like, okay, this is my son now. Um, must save wife but not be there to save her? Or, yeah. like, greet her upon her return? Just gonna share a bed now? It's cool? I, this, they're, like, also, <sighs> like, Gladys, there was no fallout emotionally for him from Gladys. Right, like, yeah. just, like, any conversation, like, one, we could have had, like, one conversation, one, like, hug, one kiss, one reunion. Like, this could have happened in, like, one or two scenes, mm-hmm. but we're, we're just, like, oh, okay, we're Instead, here now. We have to have watch Cheryl talk to her, the corpse of her dead brother. <coughs> Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, yeah, dressing as the Black Hood and the Gargoyle King, knowing that Betty goes to your school. Kind of, kind of terrible. That's You're a terrible person. Not very nice. No. It's just like two dudes. And I'm like, yeah. They're like, yeah, you both suck. Expected that to be you guys. Like, yeah. um, but also, was it a couple's costume? Oh yeah. my god. Couple's costume like, ideas. Since apparently the Black Hood and the Gargoyle King were like banging. <gasps> oh, when you boy. Think about it, Oh boy! I've never been more upset at you in my life. <laughs> ah! <laughs> OTP, the Black Hood and the Gargoyle King. OTP were murderers. Also, just to be clear, like Jason's killer and the Gargoyle King were also banging. I don't, I don't feel good. Oh boy! <laughs> I don't feel so. Good oh boy! <laughs> Sorry. I need like a chart uh, for for Parentale. Riverdale for Parentale. Who's banging who in Parentale? Who's banging yeah. who and who's a villain? <laughs> yeah. Who's murdered who. So there are some kids that come to Betty's door dressed as the Blackwood and the Gargoyle King. Which garbage parents let their children dress up as them? And then did those parents send their kids to Betty's house on purpose? Fully. Right. Like, y'all are terrible people. I think they fully did. I think they knew exactly what they were doing. It's supposed to be a small town. Oh, yeah. They know whose house that is. They would know. One, it's probably my favorite Betty moment the entire episode when Betty is like such a strong person to be able to just like knowing that they're just children to just be like you guys look great have a happy Halloween you know like I had so much respect for her in that moment like the mental fortitude to to not lash out at them yeah I really appreciated that moment. Yeah. So, um, Jellybean's gonna go play Minecraft, and listen, we can't say that Jellybean isn't accurate for her age group. Yeah, that's a complete right. teenager yeah. right there. Yeah. Jellybean also needs a horror movie education, because mm-hmm. how, how how dare you not know who Laurie Strode is? Exactly. <laughs> so disappointed. Um, so somebody calls, and it's just, like, breathing, and it's a yellow phone, which, like, is already a horror movie thing, but, like, the calling and the breathing, that's Stranger Things. And the yellow phone, that's Stranger Things. It's also very Scream. Mm -hmm. Which I think that 
Stranger Things probably also borrowed from that same thing. From Scream. That's yeah. possible. Yeah. So Polly, I guess, is using a voice disorder, but like so did the Black Hood. Mm-hmm. Well, right? Where did she get that? Isn't it? You could just do like an app on your phone, but like where did she get the phone? Exactly. You know? Like Charles said, like after it's they coming from out, a facility. Yeah. After Charles said, uh, after they figured out that it was Polly, Charles said, we'll call them and we'll see how she got access to a phone. And then Betty decided not to do that. But I'm also like... Okay, but how did she get but access to a phone? How did she get access yeah. to a phone? Right. I, want, I want the explanation still. Uh, my next note was maybe JB doesn't like Betty because she keeps calling her Jelly Bean. Possibly. Potential. Like, I don't know if she doesn't like Betty because they had like a little moment where they were like, Jughead's gone, Polly's gone, meh. But also like she seems to not like be super friendly to her, you know? I think JB I mean, misses Jughead and yeah. she's like... And her Meh. mom was a criminal. There's mm-hmm. just a lot going on for that kid. But, like, also, Betty's like, my dad was a criminal. Like, I get it. Like, yeah, you could exactly. bond about it. Mm-hmm. Just little sister things, you know? I feel like I knew that it was just a prank when, like, like they cut to commercial after they were like, Jelly Bean's dead! And I was like, no. Yeah, plus that blood pool literally looked like a piece of plastic. Like, right. No. She ruined that carpet, though. She sure did. Like, I wonder if, if I was Jelly Bean, my thought would be like, I'm going to ruin this carpet because when Betty comes in, she'll be like, Jellybean would never ruin that carpet. This must be real. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Did you guys actually think that Hal was alive? Yeah. For, for a, a quick second. Yeah. For a quick second, my brain was like flitting through things like, is, was Penelope in on like faking Hal's death? What like is, right. like, like where is he now? Blah, blah, blah. Like but, did they both run away together? But I'm glad, I'm kind of glad that we, that we are able to come to this podcast right here, right now and be like. We do not have to theorize about that. Right. Exactly. Because <laughs> that's too much. Um, so Betty grabs the like little poker from the fireplace, and it's actually the exact same stick that she used to knock Hal out at the end of season two. Yep. Yep. So I appreciated that. Charles comes in with the pizza. Um, that pizza is a prop pizza, and you can tell because it's chewy and cold. Oh, sad. Because if it was a if it was a fresh pizza, you wouldn't have to go. <laughs> To pick it. You to get it. You know what I mean? Oh, good point. Like, you could just bite through it. It's been sitting there a while. Yeah. I appreciated Charles saying that he understands why Betty is wary of him and that she has the right to be that. But I'm also, like, after the end of the storyline, I'm like, okay, but do I trust you? <laughs> right. Like, mm, no, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Then we get the reveal that Alice went in knowing, like, that she was of sound mind and body and she was able to go into this cult as somebody who wasn't actually buying into the cult. I knew it. She Thank went there God. to protect Polly and y'all were right. I love being right. Alice, like, she got drowned, though. Yeah, that was, um, messed up. That Thanks, Polly. That was a real commitment. I have some more questions about, uh, Charles and Alice's relationship and when they reconnected. Mm-hmm. Uh, when and how did they reconnect? Did he find her or did she not believe Chick? I, mean, I, I would love to have the answers to those questions that we'll never get answers to. Uh, same. I want to say he found her because I, I, she, I fully believe she believed Chick that yeah. her actual son is dead. When she like, she ran to FP and like was crying. Like, yeah. I, I agree. Like that was real. Yeah, I agree. Um, Then he just says that he wants a family. And I believe it. I believe it too. Same. Like I, imagine. I, tr- I still trust him. Right. Like imagine finding your biological parents after being He's adopted like, yeah. and like given up for adoption in and like 20s and like sure i'm not saying anything bad about adoptive parents adoptive mm-hmm. parents are fantastic yeah but maybe that wasn't the experience that he had maybe he was in the foster system for a while like maybe he like just never really found the home that felt right for him exactly and 
like imagine finding your biological parents and finding out they actually have been looking for you and like wanted you and are like thrilled that you're alive like of course you would want to stick around and And like be a part of that family how much of Chick's story was true, though? I think we talked about this at the end of last season. But, like, how much of Chick's story were, was true? Did he live with Chick? Ooh. Like, he must he have must done have. because that's how they got his address. And, right? make, like, those two ages are very different. Yeah, they don't I mean, maybe, maybe he was there for, like, a stakeout situation on, like, the drug business in this oh, motel. Oh, Sure. Like, sure, he was undercover. He was like, doing, all right, right, like, yeah, okay, all right, yeah. all right, all right. Yep, I'll take it. Um, so, uh, to the opposite of that point in which I really loved Betty this episode, my least favorite Betty moment was um when uh, she hangs up on the Black Hood after they've traced the call, and he's just like waiting and listening, and she goes, "Did you figure it out? Did you, Charles? Hello, Charles?" And I'm like. Betty, it's like, give him five shut seconds. Shut up. <laughs> he's literally trying. He's very clearly like listening very carefully on the phone. Right. Shut up. <laughs> it was. I was like, Betty, no. Also, Betty, if he didn't have it, why did you hang up? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Why yeah. did she? She was like, I said my piece. I got. I got the punchline out. Yeah. I thought maybe the calls after like when he said it came from Shady Grove I thought maybe it had something to do with Veronica's guy in the diner because they're both coming from Shady Grove oh yeah Mm -hmm. but it actually was Polly I guess well because who else would know the type of details that he was mentioning exactly thing what if she had answered the phone and it had been like it's me the black hood and Betty would have been like oh my god dad I miss you so much dad I'm so sad that ta- that bad things happened to you. I'm so glad you're not dead because that means I didn't see you die. And Polly's like, wait, what? Are you okay? Where are you? And Polly's like, uh, I'm uncomfy. <laughs> uh, damn it. So he pretends to be Edgar and uh, it's not actually Edgar, but That's of course- a great bit. I know. I love that. Like when I, I remember us all sitting here watching it and when it had been like, who's speaking? And he went, Edgar. And we all went, <gasps> and then of course she's like, hello, Edgar. And she's like, no, shut up. Okay, but, like, the sheer fact that she was, like, still hopeful that Edgar was alive, yeah. I hate you, Polly. Like, ugh. I understand that she's had some issues psychologically, but I still hate her. I, like, I have a hard time with Polly because I also hate her, but I'm also, like, how much of this is brainwashed stupid kid and how much of it is, like, willfully stupid? Yeah. I think a lot of it is willfully stupid. I I can't trust Polly. And I knew that at the end of last season, especially when she like posed as like Betty and then like the whole like serial killer gene thing, which is apparently coming back because of the trailer for next episode. But especially after that, I was like, I can't trust Polly. And then when she is getting like the treatment she needs and I was like, listen, like, okay, like I'm happy for her, but like, I still can't really trust Polly. And after this, it's, like, just, like, for sure not. (laughs) Right. And Polly's done for. Yeah. So, like I said before, Polly hangs up first. And Charles says that they have solved the case of the mystery prank caller. And, of course, that harkens back to uh, her Nancy Drew her love of Nancy Drew. So I love, it. Mm-hmm. I love that for them. He mentions the junior FBI training program that he she be should do that working with her to solve the misery because she knows I love how he was like, you know more about this town. She goes, that's true. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. You know, she, she knows what she's worth. Yeah. I liked how when she was talking to Jughead on the phone, Jughead said our half brother. I know. I was like, he oh, finally wait. is talking about it. So y'all are acknowledging this. Yeah. 
Uh, and then just like uh, Charles having listened in, which I think we already mentioned. Yeah. So, do you guys have anything else about that storyline? I don't think so. Uh, the horror. I do have horror movie, movie stuff. Um, and for Betty, who had the best horror movie references, I believe original Halloween, nineteen seventy-eight, and Scream. I there was a lot of Scream in hers as well as Halloween because she. She has the original Halloween and like being home alone and babysitting uh, her younger sister. And then the scream things with the phone call, like the calls coming from inside the house is yeah. literally a direct line from scream. Have you, che- have you checked the children? That sort of yeah. thing too. Have you checked on the children? Yeah. It's all directly from scream. I do want to say, I feel like they could have done more with the scream references than they did. Agreed. Um, especially given that they had skeet. Mm-hmm. And that Alice is a reporter. Yeah. So, like... It was right there. Like, there were so many things that they could have played on here if they had been given, like, another 30 minutes. Yeah. Which <laughs> I would have welcomed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. So, now it's time for segments. My first segment is asexual joke. Hey, question mark, question mark, question mark. And the answer is yes, it was yes. I don't care. I agree. I love the cream. Thanks. And my segment is which MILF is the most badass. And, um, Alice? Uh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Sure. Sure. Okay. Um, hey, Sam, do you have a... You can you can take mine for now if you'd like. My Did second the one? snake parents acknowledge their obvious history? Mm-hmm. Uh, the answer is yes. Oh my god. <laughs> they sure did. Moment. Oh, did. Wow. They live together now. We knew it was coming. And apparently they make out in front of their children, which is like... I love that. All right. I all respect right. you. Please Open. make them uncomfortable. Do it. I mean... For the amount of times Betty and Jughead have made me uncomfortable, yeah, they deserve exactly. it. So, um, now it's time for Best Line Award. My Best Line Award goes to Polly and Betty for... Edgar, is it really you? No, bitch. It's your sister. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> it's the best line. Yeah. Like, I don't even have a better one. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did leave out a um, horror movie reference for Veronica, oh, okay. which is not very much of a direct reference and more more like just my own mental connections. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime they're serving pie at Pops, I think of Twin Peaks. Okay. So. Perfect. Yeah. And my line goes to Jelly Bean for... I'm going upstairs to play Minecraft. <laughs> I remember it. Edgy. And my best line award goes to Eddie and Archie for... How you feeling, Eddie? Like I got shot in the leg. Be shot in the leg, beach. <laughs> I feel like I'd be shot in the leg. <laughs> Bad. Uh, now it's time for our trailer reaction. Uh, let me read you the thing. Season 4, episode 5 promo. Witness for the prosecution. The trials of Hiram and Hermione. Caught between Hiram and Hermione's double trial, Veronica grapples with what the future holds for her family. Archie finds himself the unexpected target of the town's local businesses. What? <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> Betty and Kevin join the- Why would Kevin also- Betty and Kevin join the junior FBI training program. Why is Kevin here? (laughs) (laughs) And Jughead learns some surprising information about his family history. Okay, so that's when his, like, grandfather's gonna come in, I guess, or something. Uh, Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Three, two, one, play. Next Wednesday. I'm waiting for a hiatus. Oh, right. Serial I think this is a, like... I think this might be getting a little too intense. I do have the serial killer jeans. With all the content in that description, this is a terrible trailer. Trailer, yeah. Like, I would like to see the the trial, Mm -hmm. please. Yeah, we didn't see Hiram and Hermione at all. Like, we know Betty's got mental instability. Mm -hmm. 
So I would like to see the trial. So, like, Veronica's finally got an interesting storyline that she's involved in, and where I'm supposed to care that Betty has anxiety about being a serial killer again. Yeah, it's literally just Charles, like, teaching them about, like, he's talking to them about serial killers, because apparently she's joining the junior FBI, of course, and she's like, oh my god, serial killer Gene, I'm supposed to have that act. And then she has, like, some weird flashback to, like, her previous self, and, like, the cat that Polly had mentioned at the end of season three, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm trying to, before the episode, I'm going to have to, like, go back and look at exactly, like, what that story was. Like, when, it was when uh, Polly was trying to convince Betty that she was Betty. Yeah. Does that make sense? Um, And she, like, that's what the story is, obviously. But, um, yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and revisit that. But, and then, like, she's talking to Kevin and Pops and uh that's it right yeah okay (laughs) i'm really missing the extended promos i gotta say yeah i hope they eventually come back because god i love them same yeah but i don't think we'll ever get them back i'm sad cw has just like eliminated that as a whole thank you so much for listening to this episode our music is terminal by good news tunes if you enjoy what we do, please leave us a review on iTunes. We like those. And we also have a survey that is just perpetually open that you can find in the description box. You can tell us what you like and uh, what you think we can work on. If you're a fan of The 100, you like to talk about that show too. We did season four, five, six, and we're going to be doing uh, season seven, which is the final season. And then we're going to be going back to do uh, seasons one, two, three. If you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show too. We are just finishing up season two and those are being posted monthly. Yeah, we have a good time over there if you're looking for long podcasts. <laughs> yeah, which this is it. Yeah. Well, I guess that's true. Uh, if you're a fan of Stranger Things, we'd like to talk about that show too. Uh, we did uh, long form for season one, and we did some short form stuff, no spoilers for while we were watching season three. And coming 2020, our long form season two podcasts. Woohoo! Also coming in 2020, a Picard pod. Wow. We are doing Star Trek Picard. I don't know who's going to be on it yet. Um, I will be here for both of those because I am interested. <laughs> yeah. Other than like, it'll be this crew. But uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about Star Trek, which is my favorite hobby. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do there. Yeah, you're, uh, that's going to be funny. Like, I wonder, like, I don't know. I'm already trying to figure out what my segment is. I mean, Patrick Stewart already said that, like, if it's inaccessible, then they failed there at doing it. So, right. like, it has to be accessible for new viewers. Right. Um, you can join us every Tuesday night on the TV Co. app at 7 p.m. PST. We would love to have you. We're having some, a, a lot of people from our Twitter and some people from SoundCloud who are coming on. And it's super, super fun um, to hear from uh, the people that have been commenting and uh, tweeting us about about our podcast, but we would also love to have anybody who um, hasn't been been uh, talking to us on Twitter because we love to hear from everybody. Yeah, yeah. You can follow the fictionals on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Revelable YouTube, but mostly Twitter with a side of Tumblr where Robin makes gifts. I make gifts. Uh, please support me. Support her. They're beautiful. Thank you. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because it's really expensive, especially with us adding another podcast next year. Um, and please uh, join our Patreon before November 16th to get a a personalized postcard for our three-year anniversary and you could also make a one-time donation of over five dollars um just hit me up and we can we can figure that out yeah mm-hmm. you can follow me on twitter at britannia which is b-r-i-t-t-a and i am underscore at the end you can follow me personally at robin e jeffrey that's r-o-b-y-n-e-j-e-f-f-r-e-y pretty much everywhere sam you can follow me at sam kcc on 
Twitter and Instagram. And I write reviews at telltelltv.com slash author slash Samantha Coley. Yes, and Samantha Coley has a dash in between the two names. I yes. learned that the hard way recently. I am so sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Join us for our next episode, which is 405, Witness for the Prosecution. So Witness for the Prosecution was a 1957 American film. The film, which has film noir elements, depicts an English courtroom drama. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Set in the Old Bailey in London, the picture is based on the play of the same name by Agatha Christie and deals with the trial of a man accused of murder. The film received positive reviews, which is cool. great for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, good for them. <laughs> okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye.